Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, this is Kevin Kelly, and you are listening to the Startup Cast. This is Jesse from Club Venus from Stardom, and you're watching Stardom Cast. guys and welcome to the stardom cast your weekly audio source of all things world wonder ring stardom i'm your host rob gooding i am joined on the spookiest night of them all by mr matt turner matt turner happy halloween rob goo and happy halloween to you and all the fantastic friends and family of the stardom cast yes as we're recording this is is tuesday october 31st which is Halloween, which brings me to my very first question right out of the gate, Rob Goodwin. Was there any really, really good or really, really bad costumes that you dressed up as for Halloween? Um, I dressed up as Hulk Hogan once, uh, which some people, depending on whether you're a fan of Hulk Hogan, might say it was bad. But Halloween, especially where I lived, I don't think it's as big in Britain as it is in you know the States. Um but I don't really remember dressing as much. I remember my brother dressing as Freddie Mercury from the I Want to Break Free video that came complete with an inflatable hoover, which was just magnificent. Um, but yeah, as in terms of bad costumes, um, I didn't. I know my mate came as his ex-girlfriend, which I thought was quite funny. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's phenomenal. We're out the gate in a shoot, ladies and gentlemen. Honestly, it it was the greatest moment ever because he walked in and he genuinely looked like her, um, which isn't, you know, it's uh, it's harsh, but she was absolutely horrible to him. So, uh, but yes, we had a good laugh about it. And uh, yeah, so what about you? What about bad Halloween costumes in the Turner household? Now, when I was younger, um, there was a couple times I went as half Jason and half uh, Freddy. So the Freddy glove and the Jason mask, that was my creativity. Nice. A lot of times, uh, just because my parents were always just so busy uh, with work and, you know, three kids and my dad coaching all these sports and whatnot, that um, they really didn't have a lot of time to put in creativity. So I always played uh, football, American football when I was younger. So I would just literally put on my football gear and be like, all right, the trick or treat, you know, <laughs> give me candy and, and whatnot. So uh, that was really the extent of it. Um, as I got older, uh, my one buddy, uh, he threw a Halloween party. Uh, my buddy Pete, he threw a Halloween party at his, uh, at a, right outside of uh, his place there, or outside of um, Stroudsburg, Pennsylvania. And I went as Ricky Morton. 
Nice. And uh, so I have to see if I can find the pictures. And then a handful of years ago, we had a Halloween party here at the house. And me, Amber, and Lily went as rock, paper, scissors. Um, so that, <laughs> that was always uh, some of these pictures. You know, I'm, I'm again, this is going to come out Thursday, Friday for everybody. But I think probably as soon as we get off this podcast, since it is Halloween, I'm going to put a whole bunch of uh, pictures up on the social medias so everybody can see. But uh, my favorite things about Halloween over the past years is just some of the outfits that Lily has gone as. When she was really, really little, every year she would go as a Disney princess, whether it was Snow White or Cinderella or what have you. Um, but my wife is a very, very creative person. So as she was getting towards the final years of her dressing up for Halloween, she would make her own uh, Halloween outfits. One of them she went as uh, as cotton candy. And uh, <laughs> the picture the picture is Lily just so uncomfortable because she's in this giant thing. It looks like giant pillows, colored pillows. And she just, she's so uncomfortable. But probably my favorite one. <laughs> Is uh, she went as it's raining cats and dogs? I'm sure everybody's familiar with this with the saying it's raining cats and dogs. So what the per, what what the outfit was, and I'm definitely gonna post this picture. What the outfit was is Lily was dressed up as if she was going out into a rainstorm with the the boots and the raincoat and the whole nine, and then an umbrella. And then Amber got a fishing wire and attached it through the umbrella, and then uh, had little uh, stuffed uh, animals of dogs and cats. So it was raining cats and dogs, which I thought was really, really clever and really, really cute. That's amazing. I mean, t- I've, I have thought, so we did do, obviously I went to university. We did have some Halloween parties there um, where sort of we all went as, I went as a leprechaun. Um, but we were the first year to stay in these brand new accommodation, these brand new state of the art accommodation. Everyone was like, oh, these are incredible. And uh, so we've been there about five weeks, still fairly spotless. And obviously, I went as a leprechaun, so I needed a green sweater vest. Now, I had two choices um, where I went to university in the north of Wales. Um, there were plentiful charity shops. So the chances are if I could be bothered to go down to the high street, I could have found a green sweater vest. So that was my first option. My second option was to buy green spray paint and spray a normal um, sweater vest green. Obviously, I opted for the spray paint. Um, And what I did was, because obviously I didn't want to hold it and spray it, because then I'd get green paint on myself. So what I did was, I masking taped it to the wall outside the accommodation. And I sprayed it. And it looked really good. And I took it off the wall and I put it on the floor, flipped flipped it and sprayed it. And then I realised that there was a huge green outline on the wall of the building and another huge green outline on the path outside the building. The building had been open for five weeks and I'd successfully graffitied both the path and the the uh, the roof. The roof? The wall even. Um, as well, Like being a teacher as well. When I was a teacher, it was a great chance to dress up and we had um, what was called British Values Day. Um, which, having been a teacher for 10 years, I can successfully tell you that I still don't know what the British values are, but there we are. So we had to come as something quintessentially British. So me, my TA, and my student teacher at the time sort of thought, we need we need a three. We need a three. We need a three costume. Can I guess? Uh, 
It wasn't three. Oh, no, no, no. Well, it's got to be British. Was it Davy Boy Smith, the Dynamite Kid? <laughs> <laughs> I would have made a kick-ass Matilda. I think it was um, the Dynamite Kid. I really did. Well, <laughs> <laughs> it was not, unfortunately. No, we went as a full English breakfast. So I went as a piece of streaky bacon. My TA came as a fried egg. And my student, who I'd known for about three weeks at this point, didn't really know him that well, but he came as a massive red tomato. And we won this primary school costume party. And I was honestly the happiest <laughs> I've ever been. Um, but obviously it is Halloween. Um, so we are going to be talking about Stardom's Halloween pay-per-view. But before we do that, I just need to ask Matt, what scary film, what Halloween film, if any, is your go-to? My all-time favorite horror movie, Rob, is uh, It, Stephen King's It. Now, not the one that got redone a couple years ago. I actually didn't watch that one. But the one that came out, I think it was the late 80s, early 90s. Either that one or the original Halloween. Now, I will make mention of I'm a huge fan of horror movies, or at least I was. Uh, growing up, I watched all the, you know, Evil Dead, Army of Darkness, Friday the 13th, you know, all, all that, Nightmare on Elm Street, all that. Um, and then I started dating my wife about 14 years ago, and she does not like scary movies at all. So I have not seen um, a scare. Now, she would go see Saw with me when we first started dating, um, but I haven't seen the last two or three because that's more of like gore than it is really horror. So, um, but those would be my go tos, would probably be Stephen King's It and the original Halloween from 19, uh, 1978. How about yours, my friend? I mean, Tim Curry is absolutely frightening in that film, to be fair. Um, so we, so me and my girlfriend aren't horror film people at all. We are both incredibly fragile people. Um, so we sort of, we made a pact to watch, basically. You know all the classics, Halloween, Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street. So we've been slowly making our way through those. Now, one of my all-time favourite films, and this is a very basic pick, is Scream, the original oh, Scream. Yes. Yeah. Incredible film. I can go back to it and watch it over and over and over again. But something that we've watched tonight for the first time, speaking of classics, Carrie, which I was about halfway through this film, I was like, what on earth is happening in this film? Like, what is this? And then for the last, like, 15 minutes, it is just balls to the wall crazy. Like, I, I we just sat there like, oh, my God, what is happening? Um, so if you haven't seen, Carrie, the original 1976 one, I, I do recommend it. Bit of a weird start, and those people that have seen it will know the weird start that I'm talking about. But other than that, it's it's a decent film. It's a decent film. I don't think I'll watch it again, but... I'm glad I've watched it once. Have you seen Now, this? Rob, we're going to take this thing full circle. That was one of my parents' very first date was on the drive-in movie theater in 19... Uh, 19- wow. Yes, obviously, I was born in 1982, so obviously a handful of years before one Mr. Matt Turner came into this crazy, best of all possible crazy worlds. But yes, my dad always tells the story. Now, obviously, you've seen the, you've seen the whole entire film, right? Because I'm about to do a spoiler. Uh, yeah yeah we we watched the entire okay, thing okay so spoilers for a movie that's 45 46 years old folks um so, my, <laughs> so somebody tipped my again they're at the drive-through uh the yeah the drive through the drive-in movie theater and what they did back then is they would show the film on the giant screen but they would give you a speaker or two to put in your car so you can hear the sound 
Well, somebody tipped my dad off earlier in the day that they're at the very end um, when they get to the grave that I was remind me, Rob, I haven't seen this in a couple of years, but like the hand comes up, right? Or Carrie pops out or something like that, right? Yeah, there's a girl laying flowers and then Carrie's hand pops yeah. up out of, the, uh, out of the dirt. So somebody tipped my dad off to say, hey, that's like the very last scene of the movie. So as the, the, the as it was happening, my dad took the portable speaker that they gave and put it right up to my mom's ear, cranked the volume, and then screamed really loud, and my mom went absolutely ballistic. So the fact that uh, – <laughs> and I know how overwhelming my dad could be now – you know, at 65, 66 years old. So the fact that he did that and they still went on a handful of dates and got married and had three kids is, again, sometimes I look look back at things. I'm like, man, how was I even born considering just how nuts my dad was and my mother putting up with that? But uh, yeah, so how about that coming full circle on the Stardom Cast podcast, my friend? <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, Again, it is Halloween. It is the season of scares and Jesus Jesus, we are going to be talking about a scary pay-per-view um, in in more ways than one. But before we do that, Matt Turner, why don't you tell us all what's coming up on the Patreon this week? Absolutely, Rob Goodwin. Um, now usually, Monday, Tuesday, we release the alternate commentary, which was a bonus for the month of October, as there was five Mondays in the month of October. Rob and I sat down, and we, we, we uh, did the uh, commentary for the uh, instant classic the finals of the 2023 five-star grand prix between mike and suzu suzuki now i know some of you on our patreon are saying well how come it hasn't been released yet because uh rob has decided and i totally agree with them that the audio uh and the video were kind of distorted and we did not want to release a half-assed product so we will be redoing that match sometime in the near future it is the holiday season and i have a lot of time coming up coming up uh so we will figure it out a date and time where rob and i will get back together and do that match um and we will release it now as a make good because um sometimes we are uh we are enhanced uh by the uh technology <laughs> that is between rob's <laughs> house and my house we're handicapped that's what i was looking for so what we're doing as a make good is that our non-stardom alternate commentary match our watch along match for this month as we made mentioned last uh, week is going to be from the tokyo dome from pro wrestling noah where kensei sazaki taking on kenta kabashi what we're going to do is all tiers everything from the one dollar tier to the 25 dollar tier you are going to get that match as an apology and as a makeup and again rob and i will find some time between now and the end of the year to give you that suzu suzuki versus micah match and we greatly apologize but uh, kudos to you, Mr. Rob Goodwin, for not wanting to give a half-ass product. So, uh, so you know that's why there has not been an alternate commentary. However, ultimate commentary next week will be another instant classic, as that is the theme of the month of November. It will be Mayu Iwatani challenging Mercedes Monet for the IWGP Women's Championship from All-Star Grand Queendom. So that'll be in your feeds next week. What is already in your Patreon feeds is Tam Nakano's The Complete Review of her 2021 Five-Star Grand Prix. So that is already in your feeds. And again, next week, you will have Mayu versus Mercedes. Now, Rob Goodwin, this might be the most negative I will be on this podcast, maybe ever, and maybe the most negative I will be in my 19 years of life. And I'll get to that in just a second. You, you will understand why, and you're going to have a laugh. I know you will. So the um, just of about two hours ago, the poll results for the biweekly podcast for the month of November came in. And FWC's 2021 uh, Goddess of Stardom 
championship run, that one, as well as the 2019 year end climax complete show. So those will be the, those will be the two ones coming up on your feed probably the second week and the final week of November. Again, the FWC 2021 a Goddess of Stardom tournament run and the 2019 year-end climax show now i'm not upset that i'm doing those shows i would not put anything up on the patreon that i did not want to see what i'm upset with rob is is mel tears 2022 goddess run got zero votes not one of you <laughs> not one of you voted for dear tam and dear Nassipoy. now not only am i said about that rob two times in this past you know in the past year or so i have put up on the patreon poll for my himmy poys Artists of Stardom Run, Micah, Himika, and Natsupoy. Two times I put that up, and it didn't win. You know what else I put up two times on the Patreon poll didn't win? Tam Nakano's Wonder of Stardom Championship Run. I'm just starting to think either you guys just don't like Melt here, or you guys are just trying to rip me. Like, what is going on here? <laughs> I love the fact that I think there should be a gimmick now where you put it up and just people just will not vote for it. In fact, all Star and Patreon members, attention, <laughs> please, please ensure that Matt never does these. Never vote for them. Never, not, ever not vote for them. Not even one vote for Mel Tier. Again, like the, the My Himmy stuff and the Tam stuff, they came close. But obviously we take the top two out of four. And I was like, man, I put that up on, on the poll twice. You know, Tam's a big deal. And that My Himmy Point run for match quality uh, is absolutely fantastic. And then when I was looking at the result, I got the message looking at the re- results. Then I was looking at the ones that I go through through email and my other social media accounts to add them in. I'm like, I don't know if this has ever happened before where something did not get one. And it was my beloved Tam and Bipoy. What is going on here, folks? <laughs> well done, people. <laughs> well done um yeah as as matt has alluded to unfortunately we haven't been able to release the audio and the video um of uh suzu suzuki and micah in the five star final it just it wasn't it wasn't good enough basically the internet kept cutting out and i thought that what i could do in post was sort of trim it and put it all together and once i'd done that and it took me ages to do it but once i'd done it it just it didn't flow it didn't feel right so rather than release like i said a half-assed product i've sort of made the executive decision that we'll just redo it and uh you know it means that we've got to watch the match again which damn it it's, it's such a hard job but you know someone someone has to do it um but yeah so that's what's coming up on our patreon i just want to give a massive shout out to everyone that is a part of the stardom cast patreon honestly you guys are absolutely awesome your support means absolutely everything and everyone that has listened to the podcast over the month of october that has made (laughs) already so i made the announcement i think a couple of weeks ago that um july to august no sorry july to october um had been the most listened quarter of a year we've ever done um and already just in october we've beaten that again which is uh, which is which is phenomenal so to anyone that has given us the opportunity to you know talk to you about stardom or has listened just to hear us talk absolute nonsense um thank you because it really does it really does mean a huge huge amount um before we uh talk about the shows that we're going to talk about the uh the run-up to the stardom um 
Halloween show, the two nights of the um, Goddess of Stardom Tag League. And of course, we'll be talking a little bit about the New Japan Fighting Spirit Unleashed show that was this weekend as well, because obviously we had a New Japan Strong Openweight Women's Championship title defense from Julia. We also had an insight and confirmation then of who Mayu Iwatani will be facing at Lone Star Shootout in Garland, Texas. And that full card has also been announced as well. So we'll talk a little bit about that. But let's talk about some news. And the first most important thing I wanted to talk about, Matt, is Suri. Because, of course, Suri is incredibly, incredibly important. And on the Wrestling Observer, um, it was announced that something major is going to happen at the Gold Rush pay-per-view on the 18th of November in Osaka. Now, this this nugget of information that Dave has dropped, um, whether you put any stall in what Dave Meltzer says or not, he doesn't often cover stardom. Um, he has more recently, but it does give me thought that something big is going to happen. It would surprise me if something didn't happen. Now, what that is... That is up for a lot of speculation. What seems to be being speculated around the internet, and again, none of this is confirmed, but it seems to centre around Suri doing these UWF matches. Because obviously she she cut that promo where she called out the best in the world. Um, So there is speculation as to who that opponent, that next opponent after Gold Rush, because Suri is taking on um, Alice Inc. at that show, the speculation is rife as to who that could be. Whatever the announcement is, Matt, whether it's Mercedes Monet coming back, whether it is an opponent for Suri heading into Dream Queendom, I'm incredibly excited. If you could have an opponent for Suri, and I've seen two names, and we'll talk about those two names in a moment. Who would you love to see? I mean, it's got to be the Repo Man and <laughs> and the Human Cadillac Dorian Deville. I mean, that's what we can <laughs> Oh, the greatest <laughs> wrestling name. Um, yeah, I mean, Suri's always done these UWF I matches, like kind of like uh, our UWF, whatever you want to call it, UWF, UWFI, you know, shoot style matches, kind of sporadic, you know, once every now and again. But there seem to be more and more. So it seems like it's building towards something. Now, I know that you had mentioned that there was a little bit of a rumbling that was going to be Asuka from the WWE. Now, once Asuka lost the uh, women's championship, um, a handful of months ago, she started making uh, mentions that she's gonna, maybe she'll go back, back to Japan. And maybe this is something that maybe WWE would loan Asuka to stardom just for that show. Cause I believe she's still under contract, at least for a little bit, very much like how they did with Nakamura getting to wrestle the great Muda on one of his 84,000 retirement uh, tour matches, which again, <laughs> which is all I'm, I'm not complaining. Kudos to uh, the KG Mudo for stretching that out as long as he did. Um, so that was a possibility. However, with a certain one, Ronda Rousey making the rounds, doing independent matches, 
And the fact that Shiri's like, I want to wrestle the best in the world at these shoot style matches. Now, I'm not going to, I'm a huge, huge MMA fan. I'm a huge UFC fan, pride the whole night. I'm not going to say Ronda Rousey is the greatest women's MMA fighter of all time. That to me, I think, is either uh, Valentina Sachenko or Amanda Nunes. But we always say, Rob, I mean, everything is, you know, speculative. You can have your favorites and certain things you like. A lot of things are objective, but the numbers don't lie. When it comes to the biggest draw, pay per view draw, gate draw, and female MMA, Ronda Rousey is clearly number one. I don't think there was ever a pay-per-view that she was on, which is either the main event or co-main event, that it didn't do under a million buys. And it wasn't, you know, at least a million-dollar gate. So if Sherry is calling somebody out, she's putting the plants, she's playing the seeds that she wants the best in the world or the baddest in the world, I think it's going to be Ronda Rousey. And I don't think Ronda Rousey, I mean, obviously she'll make a good payday in stardom, but if she's doing these independent dates... I think this is something that she wants to prove to herself. Now, I when she first started with, with pro wrestling, she was her first her first year was absolutely fantastic. She had a phenomenal year from WrestleMania 34 to main eventing WrestleMania 35. She went her and Travis Brown. They had a baby, you know. God bless Muzzle Top. That's amazing that you can create life. And then she came back and I don't want to be negative, but what's to say it wasn't as good as the first run. And then with her kind of leaving, maybe this is something she needs to prove to herself. Where it's like, you know what, maybe I'll go to Japan and I'll really test myself and I can do certain styles of matches. Now, her final match in the WWE, I believe, was at SummerSlam and her and Shayna Baszler basically had, I guess, it was like submission and knockout uh, type match that I know the crowd really didn't care for and a lot of the experts didn't grade high. I really enjoyed the match. However, the crowd didn't get it. But if she's going to be wrestling Shuri on Dream Queendom, which I think that's where they're going for, um, in Sumo Hall, it's going to be Sherry's style of match that Ronda can really work with because she can do a little bit more of the hard-hitting shoot style. And, you know, Sherry has really perfected that style over the last two years. So, uh, yes, that was once again me being long-winded. I really think maybe this is me being super, po- super, super positive, Rob. I think it's going to be Ronda Rousey, and I'm going to double down. I'm going to think – I'm going to say – Four big things out of this Gold Rush pay-per-view is going to happen, other than being a solid card. One, we're going to see Utami. Two, we're going to see Sayaka Matani. Three, we're going to see something with Mercedes Monet to challenge for Julia for the um, Strong Championship. And I think we're going to see something with Ronda Rousey. So those are my, I think there's going to be four major things that are going to happen on that show. And those are my four right there, my friend. I mean... From a numbers standpoint alone, Ronda Rousey coming to stardom will be incredible. Irrespective of what you think of her as a person, the numbers that she will bring, we've talked a lot about how Mercedes Monet is a worldwide talent. Ronda Rousey is a worldwide talent. She is a legitimate fighter. And if stardom can boast that they have got Ronda Rousey coming to Dream Queendom, to wrestle a UWF match against Shuri, a legitimate MMA UFC fighter, then that's going to move tickets, certainly. Um, Would I prefer Asuka or Ronda Rousey? If I was being, just from my personal standpoint, I would prefer Asuka, but that's just because I prefer Asuka. Um, But if they, obviously Ronda Rousey is doing independent dates, uh, or she's done a handful. I think she's done two. Um, so it's certainly a possibility. 
Um, and it's an exciting possibility as well that Stardom is now able to draw a name, you know, like Ronda Rousey to the company. I certainly think it would be divisive because I know there are people out there who don't agree with things that she's posted on social media, um, some highly contentious things that she has put on social media, some inflammatory things. But if we're just talking about wrestling, just talking about pro wrestling and a money match, then that's a huge match for stardom. And that's a huge match for Shuri as well to legitimize Shuri to those who, you know, she isn't already legitimized to, but that's a great opponent for Shuri to really showcase and show off her MMA talents, um, which, she might, you know, with the greatest of respect, she might not have been able to do against the likes of, you know, Saki. Um, that aside... Who do you... Um, a, I'm going to cut you off two seconds, buddy. Who do you think it's going to be? Uh, oh, you've put me on the spot. Um, I did see someone mention Ronda Rousey, and... We were Scott. I believe I, it was Scott. I, Hi, Scott. And we know he listens. Yes, it, it was Scott, actually. It was Scott, thinking about it. Um, I, I was convinced it was Asuka, and I blame Velkage for that um, because he persuaded me on Twitter, and that's that's a poor choice. On, that's No one should ever be persuaded by Twitter, but um, I was convinced for about an hour that it was going to be Asuka. Um, but yeah, the the everything seems to align for it to be Ronda Rousey. Um, I mean, if you put Ronda Rousey on that card versus Suri, and then assuming that Mercedes Monet is fit for them, if you can boast Mercedes Monet and Ronda Rousey on that, pardon me, on that Dream Queendom card, as well as being able to stack it with returning people like Utami, like Saya Kamatani, um, you know, Starlight Kid, who we saw um, seconding. Awedatai XL, so hopefully her her return isn't going to be too far off. You know, Natsupoi. It's going to be a very, very, very strong card. Very strong. And that's incredibly, incredibly exciting. And here's something, too, you have to think about, brother, is that the next week um, on January 4th, they're going to try to put about 2,500 people in the, uh, the Tokyo Dome City Hall as well. So it's a possibility that they may uh, mention maybe like one or two matches before Dream Queendom. And then right after Dream Queendom, it's like, guess what? Here's our card. You know what I mean? I mean, everybody's going to be in there anyway. That New Japan's probably going to do, you know, 30,000, 35,000. And then if stardom, hey, we already have Mercedes. She's she's already here. We already have Ronda Rousey. Now, obviously, Ronda's married with child, so she may want to get back if that's where they go, where Mercedes is married but no child. So maybe they can probably maybe pull one or two of them to get them on that show to drop 2,500 people uh, into Tokyo Dome City Hall. So literally, Rob Goodwin, we always say that the, the most wonderful time of the year is start of the five-star Grand Prix. I, as you know from doing this podcast with me for two years, I am the biggest fan of Christmas and the holiday season. And this is just going to make my Christmas vacation time from work, just off from work, just so much better, my friend. It's funny you should say that. I got a new job recently, um, and I start on the 1st of December. Um, and the first thing I looked at, and this is how you can tell a wrestling fan. The first thing I checked was when I went back after Christmas break. Why? Because of Wrestle Kingdom. 
Every single time when I was a teacher, I'd always look at the term dates and it would always invariably be the bloody 3rd of uh, January. But I've checked my dates. I don't go back till the 8th of January. So not only can I watch Wrestle Kingdom, I can watch the Stardom show and I can watch New Year Dash. It is a good time in the Goodwin house. Rob, as, as always, um, we're one of the same. I had to work with my manager, who's a great guy, last week and we were talking about Christmas break and whatnot. He's like... He's like, man, he's like, you have like 15 or 16 days you have to use by the end of the year. And he goes, well, you can float days over for next year. I said, well, yeah, I'm going to WrestleMania and uh, fingers crossed. I might be going to Japan at the end of that month, too. Fingers crossed, fingers crossed. Um, So I was like, well, hold on. I was like, I can use my vacation days to float over into the new year. And he's like, yeah, absolutely. He goes, you have plenty. And I was like, okay, uh, the company gives us these days off. Okay, we have these days for okay. I was like, and then I was like, okay, I, we need to take up to the fourth off. He's like, you did that last year too. He's like, you always take January fourth off. He's like, I've noticed that. I said, yeah, I just like to extend my vacation. <laughs> it's a holiday. <laughs> um, speaking about returning stars, um, Mariah May. Um, much I would love to say that she is returning to the company. Uh, it's not likely. Um, but she did post something quite cryptic on Twitter before we came on air. Now, it's worth noting that you guys listening to this will have already seen whatever this is alluding to because she's just put a new promo video on Twitter with the caption, tomorrow as in wednesday now of course every single person got has gone oh it's wednesday you know what that means and everyone assumes that mariah may is uh is going to be turning up on dynamite obviously that hasn't been confirmed um but we should know something about mariah may come the end of wednesday so you guys as you're listening to this on either thursday or friday you will already know um, and maybe she has turned up on AEW Dynamite. And do you know what? If she has, fair play to her. She's bloody earned it. Um, if it's that she's returning to stardom, get in. That would be magic. Um, but obviously, whatever is in Mariah May's, uh, Mariah May's future. I think after the nine months that she had in stardom and the progress she made and the way she was able to turn a crowd into loving her, absolutely loving her in such a short amount of time, connecting with an audience that doesn't nationally speak your tongue i think is uh credit to her and credit to the work that she did so uh whatever the future holds for mariah may good luck because uh you fully fully deserve it um speaking of scotty wrestling matt um i noticed something that he'd put on twitter in relation to micah micah did an interview with tokyo sports um and she said about how she understood how himika felt um, when Micah lost to Suzu Suzuki in the five-star Grand Prix final. And she said that she wanted to stay away from pro wrestling. And we saw a little bit of that frustration bubble over um, during their Artist of Stardom Championship match against the Barry Barry Bombers. But she did say that she credits her new partner, Megan Bain, for helping her to get back on track. And something that I have noticed over the course of this Goddess of Stardom Tag League is a renewed passion. I don't want to say passion because that makes it sound like Micah wasn't, you know, giving her all. Of course she was, she always was, but you can see that she is enjoying 
the wrestling. You can see that her and Megan Bain have a very, very, very good chemistry in the ring as Divine Kingdom. And that's something that you're seeing more and more and more and more and more throughout this tag league. And actually, Micah has actually learnt a little bit of English. I don't know if you saw this, Matt. Um, in the pre-post-match interview they did with Megan, uh, Micah sp- spoke really quite good English um, to say that uh, she's thoroughly enjoying her wrestling and basically that Megan Bain is an excellent partner. So I thought that was nice. Um, and it's nice to see the influence that Megan Bain is having, um, especially as, you know, I'll hold my hands up. I thought that Megan was going to be a one and done in stardom. As soon as she lost to Tam, you know, what else can you do with her? You know, you've conquered the unconquerable. What else are you going to do? And credit where credit's due to both Sardom and to Megan Bain, there's been a completely new lease on Megan. She's got this fantastic chemistry with Micah. She's got this great sort of anti-friendship with May Sarah, which is great. The chemistry between her and Suzu Suzuki is fantastic to the point where everyone, I think absolutely everyone that watches Stardom wants Divine Kingdom to win the Tag League. So uh, I was wondering, Matt, what are your thoughts on that? Have you noticed sort of a renewed vigor in Mike? Yeah, we mentioned last week that new gear she has with Mike. It's really, really clicking. Um, Again, not that her gear was bad beforehand, but she's really leveling up or pokey evolving up, as you and my kid would say. But uh, once again, partner, me and you agree on something and the opposite happens. I was the same way. I thought once Tam beat her, that uh, Megan Bain would be uh, back off to the States. So, and I think we put all our eggs in that basket, which tells you one thing. If you're at the roulette table, folks, and, uh, and me and Robert betting on black, you put every dollar you have on, on red. <laughs> because uh, the one thing is that we're consistent, consistently wrong. But uh, yeah, Megan Bain's done a great job. They've done a great job booking her putting her with Micah in this tag league. It almost reminds me a lot of like the late 80 tag tournament um, in all Japan with us, uh, like Stan Hansen and Bruiser Brody uh, and Doc and Gordy and whatnot, where it's like, if they're going to lose um, in some matches in the tag league, I don't think they're going to be eating many pinfalls as we saw in Cork and last week where they lost by count out. But it is nice that they're using the Megan Bain thing to, uh, well, you know, where Micah teased retirement at the end of the five-star Grand Prix because, once again, she came so close, always a bridesmaid, never a bride, and she showed that frustration. And now that she's saying, hey, Megan Bain is, you know, she she's getting, she's putting my energy back into this. She's putting my love back into this. And I'm um, learning a little bit of English as well. So that's even get, helping Megan Bain get over more. You know, she's obviously great in the ring. She's completely different than anybody on the stardom roster. She has a presence. She's gelling with everybody from Micah to Suzu to Maysera, as you mentioned before. She has great chemistry in the ring with Tekla. I've noticed that in these multi-person uh, tag matches. And um, the fact that uh, Micah said, you know, it's, uh, I mentioned, I teased retirement a little bit ago, but now that I'm teaming with Megan Bain in this tag league and in multi-person matches, it's given me, you know, another uh, another shot of, uh, of you know, passion. I guess a lack, a lack of a better word. Maybe we'll see a passion injection match. Um, uh, the lack of a better word, brother. But uh, yeah, no, that's really good. That's it, it's really cool that uh, we see Micah doing a lot of the uh, doing a little bit more of the English speaking. And again, her putting Megan Bain over in that promo is just getting you know Megan over uh, more. You know, with her character and her ability. Yeah, completely agree. Completely agree. Couple more bits of news then. So Unagi Sayaka, who <laughs> after leaving Stardom, um, we saw thought, oh, okay, this is this is a bit weird. 
um, seemed to come out of nowhere, really, after, you know, a relatively poor tournament, really. Um, we sort of wondered what was next. And it turns out what is next is the whole damn world, because it seems that the eel is taking over the world. Not only did she become the inaugural um, Kitsune Pro Wrestling Women's Champion, but she also announced on Twitter um, that she is in, that she saved up money and will run her own produced wrestling show on January seventh at Corican Hall. Um, this was further um, sort of backed by All Japan Women's um, who All Japan Women's All Japan Pro Wrestling who announced that they are going to support that upcoming produce show at Corican. So, A, January 7th, Wrestle Kingdom week. That's a prime spot for a Corican Hall show. Second, how awesome is it to see Unagi Sayaka doing stuff like this outside of stardom? She's literally been in so many promotions from GCW. I know that she's just been announced for another GCW show um, quite recently. I think it was yesterday she was announced. Um, she's doing spots all over the US. She's seemingly turning up in every promotion that has a women's division in uh, Japan. And the fact that she's been able to save up the money to run her own show... Um, is tremendous, and it's really, really good to see. Again, I will hold my hands up. I was not a fan of Unagi. Read my book, listen to the early podcasts. I was not a fan of Unagi, and I stand by that. I don't think she was ready in the way that Stardom were pushing her. However, the improvements, the progress, and the fact that she is betting on herself, I have absolutely nothing but the highest possible respect for Unagi, and I will 100% be tuning into that show, Matt. Rob Goon, you literally took the words right out of my mouth when you said betting on yourself. When she left stardom, I was like, oh, she is literally leaving the biggest uh, you know, women's wrestling company in the world and, you know, the second biggest wrestling company in Japan. And right, you know, right when Mina was about was getting as hot as really she's ever been, so like, oh, this isn't going to be good on Unagi. This is, you know, I wonder what's going to happen. Hopefully she can bounce back and she really, again, bet on herself is basically, you know, her own boss, her own CEO, again, for the lack of a better word. And she's doing great with all these shots she's doing over in Japan. I have been seeing some pictures of the merchandise lines and the autograph lines. So she's doing really well there. And yeah, she was just mentioned for GCW in Connecticut, uh, I believe coming up in the next month or so. And now she's, yeah, she's putting on her own show in the legendary Cork and Hall. And kudos to her in all Japan for backing it right during Wrestle, you know, basically as you're, uh, you're, you're after Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, so you're still going to have a lot of folks, a lot of international folks that are still over in Japan vacationing after Wrestle Kingdom. And why not go to the legendary Cork and Hall to see Unagi putting on her own show? So kudos to her. It's awesome to see her, you know, making the rounds everywhere she's doing. It's awesome to see her doing succeeding. I'm always a big fan of people that put in the work, bust their ass, and succeed, especially when they bet on themselves. And that's absolutely what Unagi did. So, yes, and uh, the fact that Unagi's been doing these shots for GCW, hopefully if one of them does come a little bit closer to me, that uh, that'll be a show that I would will attend. See, this is my limited knowledge of American geography. I thought Connecticut was close to you, so um, there you go. About, <laughs> well, you know, honestly, Rob, it is. Back in my traveling days, this would be n not a problem. It's probably about four and a half, five hours. 
which back in my young 20s would be like, that's a, a walk in the park. But my free time is very, very limited. And now it's like, if it's not within like an hour and a half, two hours, it's like, no, I'm good. You know, so uh, so Connecticut yeah, isn't too far. It's actually pretty close to, to Scott. So I wonder if Scott's going because Scott is up there in the uh, the New England states. I believe he's right outside Boston. So he might be only an hour, hour and a half away from that show. So who knows? Maybe Scott will go and cover it. Sorry, did you just say it was a five hours there and back and you were like before you'd have been... This shows the difference between Americans and British people. Five hours to a place I'm not driving. That That's like... that's I have to psych myself up for that sort of journey because our country just isn't big enough to warrant driving that far. You know, if you're driving that far, you're going on holiday. You, you're just like, yeah, I'll drive five hours. Why not? That, no. As an independent wrestler or a wrestler in general, that's what you do. You do the drives, you make the towns, you get a whole bunch of people into a car, and uh, and you drive. I don't know if I've ever – I'm not going to cover it here, maybe a later date. I don't know if I've ever covered on this podcast the uh, the time I was wrestling for IWA Mid-South, and we were in Indiana, and uh, we had to drive home in a snowstorm. And we had Claudio Castanoli with us, and it took us 14 hours to get home. He was driving my car, which the wiper stopped working halfway through, and he was going like 75 <laughs> miles an hour. And he's the tallest guy in the world, nicest guy in the world, and he had this giant hat on. So I'm sitting behind him as he's driving <laughs> like 70 miles an hour in this snowstorm. Like he's driving a Ferrari, and I even told him to Claudio, I said, you got to slow down. He said, you guys think this is a lot of snow in Sweden. This is nothing. I said, yeah, this is my car, buddy. I appreciate it if you slow down. So he went from like 75 to 60, bless his heart. <laughs> <laughs> Because that 50 mile an hour makes all the difference. <laughs> we, we survived. Obviously, everybody's thriving. But uh, yeah, we, I mean, doing those drives every weekend, it would, it would, if we had like a two hour to three hour one way drive, that was like a week off. I mean, it was nothing for me to do an eight to 10 hour drive and then, uh, you know, find somewhere to pull over, sleep in my car for two hours and then drive back and then go to work the next day. So that's just that's that's just what it was. I look back at some of the stuff I did 20 years ago and I'm like, man, I'm so glad I'm still here and still somewhat sane. <laughs> I mean, I had eight hours sleep last night solidly, and I am tired now, and it's, what, 25 past nine? We, we're very different people, Matt Turner, I feel. Uh, <laughs> um, so something that we've wanted to announce for a long time, really. Um, so if we are now allowed to announce. So the last bit of news actually involves us. Um, so I don't know if people have seen on Twitter but a wrestling company called Pro Wrestling Dream has been announced. And they, yesterday, announced their first show, the American Grand Prix, which is going to be taking place on the 30th of November 2023. The winner, of course, will be crowned the first Wrestling Dream champion. Um, And since then... They've announced two competitors in this Grand Prix, which I'll talk to you about in a moment. Um, The format of this tournament is eight wrestlers divided into two blocks. It's single elimination. Um, Round one matches 15 minutes. Round two matches 30 minutes. And then your final is a 60-minute time limit. Um, The wrestlers announced are Hyen, which I think is quite apropos, considering that obviously we're going to be talking about Hyen later on. And Masha Slamovich has been announced 
about an hour and a half ago. So in terms of two first entrants into the American Grand Prix, that's fairly impressive. But why am I talking about it? Well, Matt, me and you can confirm that we are going to be providing commentary. Uh, We are your commentary team for Pro Wrestling Dream, aren't we, Matt? Yes, sir. Now, I'm only able to give a little bit of the detail to notice. The uh, fine gentleman who was running Pro Wrestling Dream hit me up about a month or so ago and said, I'm really loving what you guys are doing on the Stardom cast. Here's my idea. Here's what I want to do. Would you be interested in doing commentary? And I said, you know, absolutely. No problem. You just get me some dates and let me know what's going on. And uh, we'll go from there. And he said, well, this is going to be uh, in post. We're going to do post-production commentary. So what they're going to do is they will record the show, they'll send it off to me, and then we'll do the uh, the the commentary for it. My first question was, well, if it's in post and it doesn't have to be live, obviously if you're new to the Stardom Cast podcast, we have new listeners all the time, welcome. I am in uh, Pennsylvania, America, and Rob is all the way over in England. So it would be very difficult for Rob and I to do uh, the commentary live at the actual show. Um, <laughs> so once they mentioned that, and uh, I mentioned, I said, can I do this with Rob? And then he responded back. He's like, well, is there any way you can get Rob? As if, no disrespect, as if you're Jim Ross, right? Like the way I, and, course, <laughs> and I, I'm almost positive me and you were texting about something with the show regardless. I said, I'm texting with Rob right now. Hold on one sec. I said, hey, here's what's going on. Here's what you do. You know, if this goes through, you want to be part of this? Like, yes, absolutely. And within a minute, I'm like, yeah, he's in. He's like, oh, that was quick. I said, yeah, we legit talk all the time. Um, so, uh, yeah, again, I, he's giving me some further details that I just don't want to get into just yet. But, yes, Rob and I will be doing the commentary for Pro Wrestling Dream. Um, they the basically told me there is a whole bunch of names from Japan, uh, freelancers from Japan and different companies in Japan that they are talking to. Again, I don't want to give any names, any promotions, anything. But he gave, basically gave me a list, and I sent the list over to Rob. I'm like, he gets half of these. This is going to be another American Joshi style professional wrestling company. Uh, You know, the third or fourth one that we've had in about a year's time, which is just absolutely awesome. And the fact that Rob and I will be providing commentary for these shows, it's like, what an honor. What an absolute honor, my friend. And I'm just so excited to be doing this. You know, I would have done it with anybody. I'm always a yes person. Whatever you need, you let me know. You want to hire me for something? Absolutely. But when I mentioned, hey, can I get, if I'm going to do this and you want to accentuate my abilities, the best way to do it is with the person that I do commentary with every week on the Stardom cast, and that's Rob. And that's where I was like, hey, can I get him? And I thought it was really funny when he was like, can you get him? I'm like, oh, it's not Jim Ross. I'm sure I can, I'm sure I can figure it out. <laughs> I just thought that was really funny. So I was like, yeah, he's in. So yeah, partner, I'm really, really excited. It's another awesome opportunity. It really just seems because of the push of really, you know, this is a big thank you to our listeners, the friends and family, the Stardom cast who have helped make the show get so big, so fast, you know, especially these last, you know, six, seven, eight, nine months, that the fact that we're making some noise and the fact that we're putting out a great product, that we're having companies that are, you know, these these new companies that are starting, that are um, showcasing, you know, Amer- uh, female wrestlers, especially the Joshi style of, uh, of wrestling that we all love so, so much. And the fact that we're going to be the soundtrack for it, uh, like what an honor, my friend. This is going to be an absolute blast to, you know, call all this with you and to basically be the, the voices of Pro Wrestling Dream. Absolutely. Uh, can you get him? Guys, I am anyone's for a packet of Jamie Dodgers. Like, <laughs> I'm not, I am not difficult to pin down. Um, 
but no, it's it's an incredibly exciting thing. Uh, it's something I've always wanted to do, and the fact that we are able to do it um, with quite a stacked lineup as well. So, uh, you know, if you want to come and listen to uh, Pro Wrestling Dream, you can hear our voices. And, uh, you know, again, we're not going to be perfect by any stretch of the imagination. There's a lot of room for growth. So if you've got any ideas or any ways we can improve, then please, uh, we we welcome any sort of feedback let's kick into some stardom results then seeing as we've been going for nearly 50 minutes and haven't actually talked about any shows yet matt we have a we have a tendency to do this don't we um but the goddess of stardom tag league 2023 continues to roll on night three and night four are both now in the books and more importantly both now up on stardom world we're going to start with night three which was uh which started on the 22nd of the 10th 2023 from the edian arena osaka 2 in front of 486 people um your results for that show are as follows in singles action lady c defeated ruake in five minutes and 19 seconds uh tag team match micah and megan bain defeated the god's eye team of amisuri sorry and saki kashima in five minutes and 23 seconds um, we then start with our Goddess of Storm Tag League action um, with Crazy Star, Maysera and Suzu Suzuki moving to five points, defeating the Maximum Mini Team, Hanako and Saya Ida, who remain on zero points in nine minutes and 50 seconds. Goddess of Storm Tag League action again with uh, Blue Block action, Azumi and Miyu Amasaki, um, O2 line moving to two points, defeating the uh, FWC team of Hazuki and Kagama, who also remain on two points in eight minutes and 41 seconds. In your semi-main, the Stars team, I contact Hanan and Mayu Iwatani move to four points, defeating Mei Sakurai and Mirai, who remain on two points in 10 minutes and 56 seconds. And then your main event, red block action, Oedatai XL, Momo Watanabe and Natsukatora continue their 100% record starts to this tournament, moving to four points, defeating the Mafia Bella team, who remain on zero. Julia and Tekla uh, with Tekla, eating the pinfall in 12 minutes and 58 seconds. So a couple of things to uh, to point out from this show. First things first, FWC turned up on time. Perfect. Well done, FWC. <laughs> um, secondly, I agree with you, Matt. I think May Sakurai's hat is growing. <laughs> um, and thirdly, I believe my exact words about this tag league whether my final is going to be Divine Kingdom against Mafia Bella. Matt Turner, Mafia Bella are 0-2. Because of course they bloody are. Because of course they are. Because whatever I predict, the opposite must happen. But in all seriousness, these first three shows from the Tag League have been incredibly fun, incredibly easy to watch, short, concise matches. Obviously, there's only 15-minute time limits, but even so, because all of the different teams have different dynamics, I don't feel like we get the same match 
over and over again. You know, we get the comedy of Meisera, for example, or the comedy of Saki Kashima, but then we have the serious brute force of Oeditai XL, or the calm, collected cool of a Mafia Bella, or just the general badassery of a divine kingdom. I think it's quite interesting to have this eclectic mix of teams. And... In terms of the tag league for stardom, something something I'm not a massive fan of is breaking up teams that already exist. So, for example, you know, you guarantee that we wouldn't have had, you know, uh, well, we we haven't got the new eras, you know, Amisori and Mirai, former tag team champions. We don't have Wingori in Sayurida and Hanan. However, in spite of that, the randomness of some of the teams has brought about this fresh chemistry and this fresh vibe on some of these cards and i think this is a great example of that matt because this this card these four matches especially at the end were really really fun yeah um real quick i'm just going to go back to you, you put yourself down there about two minutes ago and i'm going to be your comforting partner super super positive matt turner you did make mention and you're a little hurt. I can hear your voice. That Mafia Bella, they dropped their first two. So that you think that's going to ruin your prediction. However, Rob Goodwin, Suzu Suzuki did not fare very well in the early parts of the five-star Grand Prix. And she won it. Julia did not fare very well in the, the opening parts of the five-star Grand Prix. And she won it. Remain confident, good sir. Remain positive. Um, These are all true. <laughs> yeah, this, um, I think I put up on Twitter or X or whatever it's called this week, just as soon as I got done watching this show, I was like, boy, he, he, despite all the injuries, these shows have been fantastic. This tag league has been really, really good, and this show was great. Now, there's nothing on here that's like, you know, you're having back-to-back five-star match because it's not All-Star Grand Queendom or the final night of the five-star Grand Prix last year. But these matches have just been excellent. I mean, Crazy Star versus Saya and uh, Hanako. Um, O2 Line versus FWC. I mean, we'll get into that in a moment. Um, the Eye Contact versus Mirai and May Sakurai. And then the hard-hitting match with Mama Watanabe and Natsuko Tora versus Tekla and Julia. And yeah, you made mention that they're kind of, you know, some of these teams are kind of putting together. And some of them they had to put together last minute because of all the injuries. But boy, I would, and I mentioned this on social media, I would love to see momo and tor get a run either going for or win the gods to stardom uh tag team championships as well as mayu and hanan i mean mayu's done everything i know she's the current iwgp women's champion i know you may be saying well matt it doesn't get defended that much i understand that and hanan's only she just turned 19 and you know we all we all predict that she's going to be one to pretty much sweep all the belts very much like a mayu a Kyrie, and eo um Mayu and Hanan as a six, seven, eight month run as the Goddess of Stardom uh, tag team champions against a Teclan Julia, against an FWC, against a Crazy Star, against the Meltier, against a Sayori Poi. I mean, I think those matches would be absolutely great. Again, what else? I mean, Mayu's phenomenal. You can do whatever you want with her, it's going to work. But she hasn't held the Goddess of Stardom tag championship in three, four years. I think with Saki Kashima was the last run that she had it with, and I think they were only like a V2, V3. I would love to see Mayu and Hana maybe sometime in 2024 win the Goddess of Stardom Tag Champions because they're absolutely fantastic together. But, uh, yeah, man, these matches were great, Rob. Um, before we get into these matches, Lady C gets a W 
on the opener. What a better way to pop the crowd than get Lady C getting a fluke roll-up over Ruaka. But regardless, a win, <laughs> a win for Queen's Quest is a win for me. But if it's okay with you, sir, I would like to start with match number three, which was from the Red Stars block, Crazy Star versus Max Mini. I'm absolutely fine with that. Sorry, I, I thought you were just going to carry no, on. I, I asked for permission. We text today about something. I'm like, I, I'm going to do this. Is that okay? And like, why are you asking me for permission? I asked for permission for everything. If I'm not, one thing is polite, good sir. But yeah, this was great. Obviously, Hanako, she gets better each with each and every outing. I mentioned it with her match with Mina Shirakawa about a week or two ago. Her and Saeed, again, this is a tag team that, you know, obviously we wanted to see Wingori. They're the New Blood Tag Champions. Me and you are huge fans of Wingori. But at the same time, you're going to split them up. You're putting them with partners that are really, you know, accentuating their positives. Again, I just mentioned with Hanan and Mayu and Saeed and Hako, they're basically, um, you know, they're, they're fire plugs. They're powerhouses. And uh, we know they're not going to eat a lot of wins. I'll be shocked if they even get one. But their matches are absolutely fantastic. And their chemistry with Suzu and Maysera, who, again, I think I say this every week, and I think I'm going to say it every week, they're slowly becoming one of my favorite tag teams in all of wrestling. They've always done that, like, half and half lung blower into, like, the slam thing. And they've done it with, like, Micah, you know, in the six-person matches with Micah almost, like, vaulting Maysera up. But now they've kind of redid it and kind of improved on not kind of i'm gonna say they improved on it where mace where suzu's holding the opponent up and may does the lung blower off the second rope and then suzu transitions it into the german suplex which obviously is you know one of her finishing moves and then there's sometimes if may is the legal person you know i love the legal person where now the person's on their back and then may will just roll them up with the rolling star or in some sort of fancy roll up so i like how they're able to combine that again they've always had like right from the get-go from suzu First signing with Stardom and May coming back to Stardom back in uh, in uh, in spring of this year. They kind of put them together and like, oh, maybe they're just putting them together because they don't have a faction yet. And they gelled really fast and they're getting better, which each and every outing. I mean, Suzu Suzuki is a low-key MVP for all of wrestling this year, winning the five-star, winning the uh, Triangle Derby. And the fact that her and May Sarah are one of, if not the best tag teams in the early going of this tournament was just absolutely fantastic. And of course, Saeed, you know what you're getting when this match starts, you're like, I want Saeed versus uh, Suzu Suzuki violence. And we got it, Rob. And we got it. But yeah, I absolutely love the finish where um, Suzu, are, uh, Suzu hits the tequila shot. Uh, Sai is able to kick out. May Sarah is able to take Hanako out. And then Suzu just deadlifts. German, jealous German suplexes, Saeed, and plants are right in the mat for the three count. Love this match. Great way to start off the, uh, the the tournament part of this show. I actually had it at three and three-fourth stars. Yeah, I agree. I gave it three and a half. Um, I, I really liked it. I, <laughs> there was a great moment where uh, where Saeed is chopping Maysera really hard and Maysera's selling it as only Maysera can. And Suzu Suzuki just walks up, clonks Sayurida on the head and whips her into the ropes. And rather than that being the end of the spot, Sayurida then no-sells the Irish whip and chops double-handed um, Suzu Suzuki. And I do feel like Sayurida is starting to get that something that she really, really needs. Of course, it's always great to see Hanako uh, doing well for herself, and I think especially as she's sort of been thrust into this tag league as the only rookie, as we constantly say, I think she's done a tremendous job. Yeah, this match was, 
heaps of fun, heaps of fun, which again, this entire card was. I did give it three and a half stars. Um, uh, what about the next match then, Matt? Queen's Quest, the O2 line team defeating um, the FWC team of Hazuki and Kogma. I personally did not see this coming at all. I also thought Mio Amasaki would do the majority of the heavy lifting with Azumi sort of coming back off that, you know, rest. Um, however, neither of those things were true. Azumi was in the ring for a long, long time, and those sequences between her and Hazuki were fantastic. But big up to Mio Amasaki because I thought the stuff she did with Hazuki person who trained her don't forget i think was absolutely tremendous and highlights just how much she has improved in a short space of time matt rob out of the three shows we're going to be talking about this is my favorite match of the three shows um i absolutely love this match now my very first note rob as i have to make mention that hazuki and kagama when they came out there was a fan that greeted them with roses and i just said oh that was really nice i thought maybe she just a fan, but then I realized I think maybe the fan was just happy that they came out on time uh, instead of waiting seven, eight minutes for the music to play. So he's so ecstatic that he bought roses <laughs> and then gave them to FWC. But I thought that was a cool little that was a cool little thing. It's you know I love seeing fa- fan interactions uh, with wrestlers. I thought that was something really cool. Um, I mentioned on the podcast quite a bit that I don't have a favorite wrestler in all of wrestling, but if I was forced to give a favorite wrestler, it would be Hazuki. Just based, I mean, she's fantastic, obviously. I don't think there's anybody that would disagree with me there. But a lot of it has to do with the fact that she's never won the white or red belt and how she puts 110% into everything. But I'll say this, Rob. Azumi's right behind her. I think Azumi is, and I've said this since I first watched Azumi wrestle about two years ago. I think she's she's very special. She's fantastic in the ring. She's improving constantly. One of the things I've noticed, uh, and I noticed a little bit last year with the O2 line stuff, and I noticed it in this match. It's one thing when you're a wrestler, 21 years old and 25 years in the business. I'm joking, but like it's not that far off. <laughs> when you're the, when you're the, when you can get your stuff over, right? When you can get your stuff over that young in the business, and Azumi's a very special talent. The way what she does, where she does, the fact she can able to do those moves and just look so crisp, clear with it, and that she adds psychology and she can sell and she's getting for someone who's already one of the best wrestlers in the world it's constantly improving it's one thing when you get your stuff over it's another thing when you get your opponent's stuff over and again in this match it's suzuki and kagma they really don't need a boost and anybody making them look good but at the same time it takes two to tango but again azumi makes suzuki and kagama look better than they know than, than they normally do fwc is one of the best teams in stardom the last two years it's another thing when you take a relatively new wrestler like miyu amasaki and you know where to put her stuff to make her look best. And what I mean, and I don't know who's putting these matches together, but I'm just going in my head of somebody that's been around some of the best tag teams in the last 20 years and watched them put together matches and me being a tag wrestler and putting together my stuff with uh, Team Blue and Gold with Andy Hedder, where I'm assuming when Azumi and Miyu are putting their stuff together is that Miyu, have may, Miyu may have an idea or two, but Azumi knows where to put it. Miyu Amasaki is one of the most improved wrestlers in all of wrestling the last five or six months. Her matches are so much better. And again, they're great when they're singles or they're, they're multi-person. When it's just her and Azumi as O2 line, the matches are so much better. And I think because Azumi knows where to take Miyu's spots and where to go with them, where they're going to get Miyu the best reaction, where it's going to make the most sense. 
So long-winded, I'm trying to say not only is Azumi great getting her stuff over, getting her opponent's stuff over, but when you can take somebody else's stuff in your tag match and make her stuff look better. Now, when she's teaming with Utami and Sai Kamatani, she doesn't need to do that. I mean, she can have her input. She doesn't need to do that because Sai Kamatani and Utami, two of the best wrestlers in the world. But when you're taking Miyu on Masaki and a wrestler that's already improving and making her look like she's a five, six-year vet because I'm assuming that she knows where to pick Miyu's stuff, uh, all the kudos in the world to Azumi. But yeah, man, this match was absolutely fantastic. Obviously, you had you had a lot of high-speed stuff with Hazuki, Kagama, Zumi, obviously three uh, veterans of the high-speed style. Miyu Masaki, again, for her stuff in this match, I thought she was great. The teamwork with her and Azumi uh, is flawless. It's just, it's excellent. It's really, really good stuff. Obviously, of course, it's Hazuki, so Hazuki, you're going to get Hazuki mode. And of course, we did here. All of her stuff was really good. And literally the point where I thought FWC was going to get a win here with Miyu Masaki eating the pinfall, but there was so much back and forth that I started having a little doubt which when you kind of have an idea where it's going and then you're not sure, and then they really pull the wool over the eye because then you're figuring, okay, you know, eventually something's going to happen with Miyu. She's going to hit with either the Brain Buster or the uh, the Top Rope Splash. You figured that'd be the finish. But um, no, I was a big fan of that Azumi was able to escape the Brain Buster, uh, hit the Canadian Destroyer into the Azumi Sushi, com- Azumi Sushi Combination for the three count. Uh, again, Rob, this is my favorite match of the three shows we're going to talk about, four and a quarter stars. Wow. I gave it three and three quarters. Um, Again, (laughs) despite Azumi and Hazuki just being as captivating as they are, I was was mesmerized by the improvement in Miyu Amasaki and how much more calm she feels in the ring. Because at times, before she went out for that break period, um, which I think was with injury, she could be a bit skittish in ring you know she would sort of throw herself into moves that she couldn't quite do or she'd look a little bit over over nervous i think of everyone that debuted she was the one where i could see nerves that's completely gone now and that team of o2 line um i noticed it on new blood 11 during that triple threat tag match in the main event and i noticed it even more here just the seamless tag work of these two um and i don't know whether that is because me was attempting to recapture the title of leader or interim leader of queen's quest um in a with azumi coming back now um and she was just looking to impress or whether it's just because they're just both very good wrestlers um but either way This was a fantastic match. One of the best matches of the Tag League so far, which again, I feel like I'm saying every episode. But yeah, of the shows that we are going to be talking about today, um, I'd say there's probably three matches that you have to go out of your way to see. And I'd argue this is certainly one of them. Definitely go and check this one out. Eye Contact versus Mei Sakurai and Mirai. I enjoyed this in the same way that I enjoyed O2 Line and FWC, but mainly because of Hannon. And I never thought I'd say that in a match with Mayu Iwatani, who is, you know, without question, my favorite wrestler. I just feel like Hannon is hitting another level at the moment with her confidence. And the fact that she is on more shows, having, you know, not having to go to school, should I say, 
I think she's really growing in this sort of presence. And I think the way she took the fight to Mariah, especially in this match, was indicative of where she's going. You know, I, you could just, you called them the icon tag team. Um, and I think it's really clear that Hannon has got that special something that not every wrestler has. And it, it was really evident here in those exchanges with Mirai. And Mei Sakurai's fantastic. I love Mei Sakurai. Um, the fact that she's shedding feathers as she attempts to get through the ring. She seems to grow more clothing every time she gets into that. coat seems to grow to the point where she actually struggled to get through the ropes to get into the ring. Um, and I do love that's one of the tag teams where the sort of misfits... Tag, sort of, you know, the whole randomness of this tag league. May Sakurai and Mariah, one of those oddball pairings that have worked. You know, you've got the straight, um, just passionate soul of wrestling Mariah and this arrogant ladyship character in May Sakurai, and somehow they make it work. And then you've just got the two icons who just throw each other at everything. Um, I really thoroughly enjoyed this match. This was another one I do urge you to go and check out. I gave it three and three quarter stars again. Rob, we made mention on this podcast because of all the wrath or injuries going on with stardom that at stardom we find they're probably not going to draw as much as they used to, but the shows are still going to be quality because of the depth of the roster. Again, no Utami, no Sai Kamatani. Zumi just came back. No Natsupoi. Tam's on the shelf for a little bit. Um, not, you know, uh, Starlight Kid. But I got to say, we basically just said the shows are still going to be good, regardless of all those rapid injuries, because how deep the roster is. You mentioned Miyu Masaki. You talk about Mei Sakurai just becoming a completely different uh, character in the ring. And we all know Hanan is good, but we did say that you're going to start seeing some members of the roster step up their game even more to fill the void of not having those big stars on. I don't think anybody's done it more in the past month than Hanan. Yeah, absolutely. She looks great here. Her and Mayu's teamwork is absolutely fantastic. And the fact that they're highlighting her and all these matches, especially towards the end of the episode. Uh, yeah, episode. The end of the match. <laughs> the, end, <laughs> uh, the end of the match. I love how this match started with uh, Mayu and Hanan uh, getting, doing some phenomenal double teamwork on the Mei Sakurai. And then Mariah's like, okay, well, I got to get the advantage back. And she just comes in and just beats up. Just clovers on in my I'm like, yeah, that makes sense, right? That's like what she's good at. Some really good stuff there. But then obviously Mayu and Han, they just use their teamwork to get the advantage back. Um May Sakurai does the showstopper stunner combination onto both Han and Mayu, which I thought was a great way to showcase her uh in this match. And a really good closing stretch with Hanan and May Sakurai, considering the fact that, you know, Mariah is the wonder of starting champion. Mayu is the IWGP champion. You could have very easily put one of them in there with the other. Obviously, we knew Mirai wasn't going to eat a fall, and Mayu is not going to eat a fall, considering the fact that they're both at the top of the card, and they both have championship matches coming up, you know, and respective shows and respective countries. But they did a really good job. It was like, you know, Mayu and Mirai basically kind of took each other out, and Hanan and Mai Sakurai had basically had this little mini match with Mayu and Mirai interfering a little bit there. But basically, we're going to highlight the two kind of juniors of the match is a really cool spot where Hanan hits this beautiful Hanan special. I thought that was going to be the finish, but May Sakurai kicks out and a lot of people, the crowd, and, and I want to preface the crowd 
for this show was really, really well. They were really into it. They were into everything from start to finish. And they bid on that falsy really good, so much that it actually added to the match. But then Hanan stays with it. She doesn't get flustered. She gets their wrist clutch. Backdrop driver for the three count. Uh, yeah, fantastic match. All four of these ladies were fantastic. And again, Hanan is in, uh, not in, well, she's improving, obviously, but the fact that she's really stepping up her game due to the absence of some of these other main eventers is just going to put a, uh, a, you know, bigger, bigger star, bigger shine onto her star, pun intended, uh, to it, to one Hanan. I agree with you, the star rating, my friend, three and three fourth stars. This was an excellent, excellent match. And again, I'll go back to what I said a few minutes ago that I would love to see Mayu and Hanan get a run with those goddesses of stardom tag belts in 2024. And then finally, obviously, Mafia Bella versus Awedatai XL. Starlight Kid out seconding Awedatai XL. That's always good. It means that hopefully, fingers crossed, we are close to Starlight Kid returning. It looked like she was walking on the ankle okay. Didn't appear to have it strapped, so fingers crossed, on an early return for Kid. Um, what did you think of this one, Matt? I quite enjoyed the brutality of some of the exchanges, especially between Momo and Julia. It's a match I want to see so badly again, that singles match, just with these two striking the ever-loving Jimmy out of each other. But again, Tekla. MVP of this match. She did so much of the heavy lifting. Yes, she took the pin again, second match in a row. But I think that she's really growing into this role. And she's someone that I feel that could be elevated up the card. I mean, if you were to if we were to say, maybe not for Dream Queendom, but you know, for Cinderella. The the February show. The February pay-per-view, whatever that may be, if you were to say that Tekla versus, whether it is Mirai, whether it's Mina Shirakawa, whether it's Suzuki that hold the white belt, if you were to say Tekla's the next one in line to have a shot, I'd be more than up for that because she's proved regularly that she is just more than capable of elevating herself to that level, which I'm really, really excited about. Again, my friend, we talked about Han and stepping up and Tekla's, you know, right there with her, you know, neck and neck again as far as, okay, you know, we need to get... We need to really make sure that these that everybody that pays a ticket to see this show, regardless of who or who's not here, they need to get quality wrestling. And Tekla has absolutely stepped up. I was a little shocked again, very much like the FWC O2 line match, which is what's great about these tournaments. Um, is you kind of don't have an idea who's winning, but you figure oh, it's the main event. They always do the promo afterwards. It's going to be Julian Tekla send the fans home happy. And I was uh, shocked by the finish. Um, and I, by no means was I disappointed. Obviously a huge fan of Tora and I'm a ginormous fan of one Momo Watanabe, but I've noticed um, Tekla. She does now this new move and it really gets in the gift opportunity to really pop the crowd where she does the spider suplex, superplex, where basically she does a superplex, mm-hmm. but she locks her feet in and she'll do the, and she does this in tag matches, which is brilliant. She'll, she'll do this, the suplex, she'll, her opponent will hit the mat and sometimes roll out for a breather. And then Julia and whoever else will be on the outside. Tekla will then sit up and then go to the top rope. And then that's her, uh, her opportunity to have the crowd settle for what she just did and what she's about to do, because then she plays to the crowd on the two sides of the ring that she's at and gets the crowd to pop. And she hits this almost like Hiroshi Tanahashi, beautiful, a plancha to the floor. I mean, the height she gets, the way she's able to kind of, you know, spread herself out there. I mean, it's really a sight to see. 
And uh, it is very important that there's a lot of people to catch her because she gets a lot of height on this dive. And again, it's just another kind of something awesome that she's added into her moveset. And her strikes have gotten crisper, more hard-hitting. They're placed psychology-wise in better spots. Not they were bad before, but just like the forearms and the kicks. And her and Julia, they do that uh, forearm sandwich where they yell out a phrase that I can't yell on this podcast because we are a G-rated <laughs> podcast. It just adds to the badassery that is not only Tekla, but Julia. Um, I liked how in the beginning of this match, Tekla just outclasses Momo with like high-speed offense. And then I'm like, okay, I think I know what's going to happen. Momo and Tor just get frustrated. And uh, they take Tekla to the outside, and Rob, it's a weather tie. So what do they got to do? They <laughs> have to a weather tie. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Julia and Tora, uh, they wind up just uh, hard-hitting all throughout the crowd. Obviously, Julia and Tekla, they're not going to back down from the fight at all. So uh, they're able to hang pretty well with the brawl with Team XL. Uh, it's a really great uh, tag team work from Momo and Tora, considering the fact that you know Tora was basically, when she came back from her injury last year, was more or less teaming with Ruaka, and Momo had the phenomenal tag team with Starlight Kid as Black Desire. So they're really not regular tag partners. But really quickly, they're gelling really, really well together. So it's really, really nice to see. Um, and again, I loved how uh, Tekla, she lock, uh, towards the end of the match, she locks in the uh, the Black Widow. But of course, all 84 members of a wetter tie need to distract the ref. We get a bat shot that leads to a B driver that only gets a two count. And then uh, they basically double team and take Julia out. And then uh, Team XL, they basically hit that uh, big assisted spine buster onto... Um, which is which is cool because it's really it's on the the assistant spine buster. It's Tor that's doing the big damage move, and she's not legal, so she hits it, and then she runs right back out in order to take Julia out to block out the leader of this tag team, leader DDM, to let Momo Watanabe basically finish uh, Tekla off with the inhumane driver. Again, another great match. Obviously, we know Mafia Bell is great. Tekla's getting better, and I uh, love this pairing of Momo and Tora. A great match, great way to end the show, especially the fact that I thought that it was going to be a Mafia Bella win. But uh, I enjoyed this one as much as I enjoyed the uh, last match, three and three-fourth stars. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So, let's move on then. So, before we talk about the remaining night of the um, Goddess of Storm Tag League, because again, I haven't actually had a chance to see it yet, so Matt's going to run down that um, for you. I just want to talk a little bit about Fighting Spirit Unleashed, um, which was the New Japan Strong pay-per-view from Las Vegas, Nevada. Um, the reason that I want to talk about that is for two matches. We'll talk about the title match first, the New Japan Strong Women's title match. Julia, the champion, achieving her fifth successful title defense, defeating the challenger Haiyan in 12 minutes and three seconds with the Northern Lights bomb. Now, Matt, how much of this show did you manage to get to see? Just this match. Just the Julia Haiyan match. And what, I don't know about you, it's the first time I've seen Hayan. Um I thought she gelled really, really well 
with Julia? What did you think? Yeah, it looked like in the beginning, uh, there. I don't know if it was a timing issue or maybe just get the nerves out, but there was maybe a half a step off between the two of them, maybe the first minute or two. And then it seemed like once they got going, uh, the crowd really got into it, and then they really seemed to sync up really well. Julia was very much like in Philadelphia, was crazy over with the Las Vegas crowd. Julia is very over with the U.S. fan base, that is for sure. And then high, and especially towards the uh, the final few moments of this match, she is absolutely fantastic. Somebody to watch out for. And Rob, I would be ecstatic if in 2024 she gets a stardom run because I would love to see her in the ring with uh, you know Hanan versus a, you know a Jul- uh, you know rematch here with Julia against a Tekla. I think she'd have a great match with Azumi. She'd have a great match with Momo Watanabe. I really hope that, uh, obviously, this is a match that Stardom and Bushi Red were watching for obvious reasons. It was their show uh, with their wrestler and their champion on. But I think that'd be one where they can look at and be like, you know what, maybe we should bring her in for a Stardom tour for four months or six months or seven months or eight months and, uh, you know, see how she does because, obviously, she was great here. She'll only improve like we've seen with the Mariah May if they give her an extended tour into Stardom. I think the match is great, very hard-hitting, the crowd was into everything. A lot of uh, this is awesome chance. Very solid match. I had it at four stars. Absolutely loved it. I think I had it three and a half. I thought Haiyan has got all the makings of what could be a fantastic wrestler. She's got the strength. She's got the power. She's got the athleticism. She's got the speed. You know, we saw her muscling Julia into these incredibly high impact moves. Like when Julia went for the su- the double underhook, uh, the super sort of butterfly suplex from the top rope and high hand standing straight up and hitting her with the falcon arrow. Thought that was incredible. And then you look at... Um, the way she's willing to dive through the ropes. She's willing to do the suicide dive. And I thought she was over with the crowd. She connected with the crowd, but Julia was just on a different level. As we, you know, as we expected her to be. She is a huge star in Japan and she is getting there in in the US because that reaction to Julia during the match was pretty phenomenal. There were very, very loud chants for her. So there are people that know her. For all the Jim Cornettes who don't know who Julia is, there is an absolute abundance of people who are fully behind Julia and fully see that star quality that she has because she oozed it here. And I think you're absolutely right, Matt. Again, we talk about it all the time. I do not know how difficult it is to put together a match against someone who doesn't speak your language. I know we spoke to Jesse about this during our interview, and she said, you know, it's what we do. You know, we just get in there and we do it, and it becomes second nature. And, you know, that's testament to both women. But Haiyan looked really special. Julia looked incredible. And that's really something. I wouldn't be surprised if we see more Julia in the States, even after she drops that strong women's championship, whoever that may be too. We also had on this card what was effectively a CMLL um, women's tag match as an exhibition to show off some of their women's division. And that was Stephanie Varker, Zuxis, uh, Johnny Robbie and Luvia. I've probably butchered those names. I think I butchered them during the preview show as well um this was a good match 
Um, but Stephanie Varker, who we've seen on the Resurgence show, she was part of the original tournament to crown the first strong women's championship. Uh, women's champion which of course was won by willow nightingale um stephanie vacker was a part of that and she got a lot of plaudits for that but i still didn't know a great deal about her and the more i've seen people talk about her, the more people talk of her in the highest of high regards and there was some great stuff in this match and Stephanie Vacker was at the centre of the vast majority of it. We talk about how Hyan has that special something. Stephanie Vacker is already there. I truly believe if she was part of a bigger company than CMLL, no disrespect to CMLL, no disrespect to Mexican wrestling or whatever, but if Stephanie Vacker was a member of a, let's say, a brand with more exposure then, than CMLL. I think that's fair. She'd be a huge star because she was fantastic. She carried herself with charisma. She was seamless in the ring and she just seemed to hold the crowd in the palm of her hands. Everything good in this match went through her and that's no disrespect. I thought Zuxius was really good. I thought Luvia was fantastic. Um, but Stephanie Vacker was a real star in this match and someone that I am actively searching out more matches of and the reason I'm sort of focusing on Stephanie Vacker is because post-match um, as was sort of alluded to on the preview show that we did last week she made a challenge to Mayu Iwatani um, for the IWGP Women's Championship that has now been made official so on the 10th of November at Lone Star Shootout in Garland, Texas, Stephanie Varka versus Mayu Iwatani for the IWGP Women's Championship. Now, I know that she, uh, I know that Mayu wrestled um, on the Rumble on 44th Street against Killing King, and that was a good match. I expect this to be another level because I think when you've got someone who is fantastic as brilliant as Mayu Iwatani is in ring, and then someone who's got the talent and the Lucha Libre moveset that Vaca does, you are looking at a match that could be very, very special if it's given enough time. If this is given 15 minutes, we could be talking about a very, very, very good match, Matt. Yeah, again, I've only seen a little bit of uh, Stephanie, but I have a lot of people are uh, you know ranting raving how good she is, and considering the fact that she is part of CMLL and that Rocky Romero does book some of the CMLL talent, uh, helping Tony Khan out over AEW, would not be shocked to see her do a couple shots over uh, you know for AEW and get her more exposure, as you said before. Um, I want to put you on the spot, partner, and I apologize if you do not know this answer. I'm assuming Stephanie went over in this match. I believe she did. Okay. Yes. So my next question would be, well, what was? I just wonder. I just wonder what she uses as a finish. I just want to know what her, what her finish is. Oh, what was it? Was it a package pile driver? It is now a package can, pile uh, driver. We are going to say that's what it is. I can't remember. That's really going to annoy me. Um, let me have a look. Let me have a Absolutely. look. What did she use? Why you look? German suplex. Oh, there it is. Okay, that was fast, buddy. Your your fastest fingers in Stoke, right there, buddy. You. <laughs> There you go. She pinned Johnny Robbie because I know that Johnny Robbie was sort of the um, the greener 
of the four women. I don't think Johnny Robbie's been in uh, CMLL as long as the others. Yep. And uh, I know I mentioned this last week. I know that a couple of our listeners in the Texas area did saying they're going to that New Japan show. Uh, please, by all means, send us notes. Give us some live notes. And uh, we will uh, talk about them on the air. And you'll get a free little shout out here from one Mr. Matt Turner and Rob Goodwin. Absolutely. Um, and just quickly, the rest of that card for um, for Lone Star Shootout has also been announced. And spoilers for those that haven't or don't know the results from fighting Spirit Unleashed, you might just want to skip ahead a couple of seconds because that show sort of funnels into Lone Star Shootout. I've given everyone enough time now. So, uh, Toriano versus Joey Janela, uh, Mystico versus TJP, um, Hikuleo and ELP will defend the strong tag champions against uh, Jural Nelson and Royce Isaacs. Strong openweight championship match, Eddie Kingston defending against Satoshi Kojima. That's going to be great. Um, speaking of great, the uh, World Television title will also be on the line. Zack Sabre Jr. defending against Speedball Mike Bailey. Um, IWGP Women's Championship, Mayu Iwatani versus Stephanie Vaca. And then the Never Openweight Championship will be on the line. The new champion, Shingo Takagi, taking on Trent Beretta. And then still scheduled, but not in matches at the moment, John Moxley, David Finlay, Ultimate Guerrero, and Kenta. Matt, I know we use the word stacked quite often, but Jesus Christ, this is a stacked card. Yeah, absolutely. I knew of a few of those matches, especially Kojima and Eddie Kingston, which that's going to be. It's going to be the two of them just standing in the middle of the ring hitting each other, uh, which I'm all for. I am all for, but yeah, this is uh, one that, again, just uh, due to time constraints, I was only able to watch the Julia match. But this is one that I'm going to try as best as possible to set apart some time to watch a majority of this show because uh, that sounds excellent, especially Speedball versus Zack Sabre Jr. Uh, that's going to be fantastic. Because it's like John Moxley, one of the uh, most known wrestlers in the world, is like, yeah, well, she, he's on the car. Yeah. Of his match just goes to show how uh, crazy stacked this, this card is. So, yeah, this is something that I'm very looking forward to. And I believe this is the week before the Gold Rush show, correct? It is indeed. Wow. We got a fantastic uh, seven, eight day stretch of pro wrestling that week, my friend. I'm excited. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, So let's talk a little bit about these last two shows. We're going to be talking about night four of the Goddess of Storm Tag League. This happened on the same day as Fighting Spirit Unleashed. This was in Numazo, Shizuoka, Japan, in front of 362 people. Um, no Julia on the card. Obviously, she was in Las Vegas. And no Amisori on this card, who I believe was at a funeral. Um, the results are as follows. And then, as I said, Matt is going to take you briefly through this card before we talk about the Halloween show. Um, so, Tekla defeated Miyu Amasaki in 8 minutes and 12 seconds in a singles match. Azumi dispensed with Ruwaka in 7 minutes and 29 seconds. Um, eye contact then uh, Hanan and Mayu Otani defeated Hanako and Mirai in non-tag league action in 8 minutes and 47 seconds. In the only tag league match on this card, the God's Eye team of Saki, Kashima and Suri Muta four points, defeating Moonlight Dream, Mina Shirakawa and Waka 
Sukiyama, who stay on two points in 11 minutes and seven seconds. Um, in your semi-main, Awedatai XL, Momo Watanabe and Nats Katora defeated the Dono Del Mondo team of Micah and May Sakurai um, in 10 minutes and 57 seconds. And then in your main event was a six-woman tag match. Megan Bain, May Seira, Suzu Suzuki defeated the Stars team of Hazuki Kogama and Saya Ida in 11 minutes and 47 seconds. And Matt Turner, we saw a new finisher for May Seira, did we not? Yeah, it was um, it was basically an Indian death lock into an SDF version, which was really cool how she got into it. She was, she, again, May Seira knowing where she needs to be at all times. When she went to go lock it in onto, uh, onto Saya Ida, she realized she was close to the ropes. So then she relocked it in and then rolled back away from the ropes, which I thought was really cool. So May Sarah, who basically, when she again she came back, she won the she pinned Azumi on All Star Grand Queendom with the uh, the Rolling Star, and then started using a low running dropkick as a finish. Like I guess it kind of works. And then we've seen her use the uh, the Hammerlock Liger Bomb, and now we have this really cool Indian Deathlock into an SDF version. Uh, Really cool, just adding more tools to uh, one May Sarah. And again, you know, for Stardom coming off a phenomenal year in 2022, it's like really all they got to do is keep the course. They really don't need to add anything to make it better. But May Sarah, who hasn't wrestled in two years, comes into the most stacked roster in all of wrestling and is really standing out. So kudos to her. Kudos to her. But uh, yes, sir, I guess and I will run through this card then real fast if that's okay with you, sir. You go for All it. Right. Tekla and Miyu Amasaki. Again, we talked about the improvement of Miyu Amasaki. She looked great here. Tekla did a great job leading her throughout the way. Solid opener, three and a half stars. Azumi and Ruaka. What more can I say about Azumi? She's absolutely fantastic, and she made Ruaka look like a beast here. I knew that Ruaka was not going to get the pinfall here, but there was two occasions that I thought that Ruaka was going to win because that's how convincing Azumi was. This was a great match, and it completely blew away my expectations. Three and three-four stars. Excellent match. Match number three, eye contact versus Mariah and Hanako. Again, another excellent showing from Mayu and uh, Han and uh, the way they gel together as a team. Mariah here was great. Her stuff with Mayu was terrific. Hanako seems to improve quite a bit. Um, again, this was a solid match. I had three and a half stars, but Rob, I do have to make a mention. This isn't something to go out of your way, but however, I know you're the biggest fan of Mayu Iwatani, so I need to make mention what happens at the tail end of this match. So, uh, Hanan rolls up Hanako with a 17 roll-up. And perfect job by the cameraman, whether it's intentional or not. But you see the roll-up happen. On the bottom right hand of the screen, you see Mirai locking Mayu in the rear naked choke. The sleeper hold, right? One, two, three, the match is over. Mirai can't get, because it's a, it's a flash roll-up, cannot get to the ring in time to break up the pinfall. Hanan's celebrating. She has the win, but Mayu's still, still selling the choke out. She's coughing, coughing, and so Hanan <laughs> is leaning over to where Mayu is and jumping up and down. Obviously, the phenomenal thing Hanan is playing. Everybody's happy, and she's trying to get Mayu's attention, and Mayu is purposely not looking at Hanan to sell the sleeper hold that happened two minutes prior. The match is over, Mayu. So it was just a Mayu thing. If it was any other wrestler, you'd be like, ah, whatever, but it's Mayu. The fact that then she, she looks up at Hanan, and she's like, Oh, we won? And Han's like, yeah, two minutes ago. Where were you? <laughs> I just thought that was the most Mayu thing ever. Mayu's got a Mayu. Um, the goddess match with Shuri and Saki versus Mina and Waka. 
again, the phenomenal chemistry here of Saki Kachima trying to be the most badass person in the ring, talks all that crap, but once the bell ring can't, can't back it up. So she basically says, I want to start the match, and I want to start with you, Mina. And Sarah's so like, okay, no problem. Basically tells Mina, put your hands up. Like, we're gonna, you had this UWF-style match with my partner a few weeks ago. We're going to go shoot style. The bell rings. She turns around. She tags in Sherry. And next thing you know, Saki's in the fourth row. Sherry's like, I guess. Uh, <laughs> so I thought that was great. Sherry and Mina, they're great. I mean, uh, what can you more say? Sherry's one of the best wrestlers in the world. Mina's the most improved wrestler, you know, uh, from 2021 uh, to 2022 and into 2023. Mina's just absolutely fantastic. Their stuff here was great. Uh Waka and Mina, I noticed that they do a lot of the Gold Rose tag stuff um, that Mina and Mariah May did. And I kind of understand what, what they were trying to go for. It's not as crisp as it was Mariah May. That just goes to show the instant chemistry Mariah and Mina had. But it's still really good. Uh, I do like how towards the end of this match with, um, you know, it's building towards Shiri and Waka. So, you know, it's going to end with poor death to poor Waka. But there's this one spot where Mina gets in the ring after taking out Saki and she hits a roaring elbow on the Saki, and then Waka does the double underhook uh, slide, the one that she used to beat Nana Takahashi. And, and uh, Shuri does a great job of kicking out like 2.99, and a lot of the crowd bid on that falsy. I was like, oh my god, is Waka going to pin Shuri? And the crowd bid on it. Uh, really cool spots, though, with Saki when she does get in the ring, and Shuri does talk her into it. Um, she does go strike for strike pretty well with Mina. And Saki, we've mentioned this on the podcast about a year or so ago, partner. And Saki's a very underrated striker. And obviously, she's doing the comedy and the high-speed stuff. But we're seeing Shiri bring that out more. She does some really good kicks. She has this really awesome rising palm strike that I thought was really good. Ultimately, though, it's Shiri with the uh, the head kick and the grounded Suzaku for the tap out uh, to give Shiri and Saki two more points in the tournament. Three and three, four stars. Match number five with uh, Micah. And uh, May Sakurai versus uh, Team XL, Momo and Tora. Now, Rob, I want to want to make mention. I gotta got you know, I gotta be positive, but at the same time, I have to be um, I have to be honest. I was very upset, May Sakurai. She did not come out with a hat on this show. Like, why are you not coming out with your gimmick? And they came out to May Sakurai's theme, and she's teaming with Micah. So you figured, okay, she's got to have the biggest hat in the world. No, no hat, buddy. No hat. Uh, Max, though, was really good. Obviously, Momo and Mike, just, they tearing it up. They just, have, I mentioned this on social media. That's like booking Stone Cold Steve Austin for your show, and he doesn't hit the stunner or drink beer. What's the point? You know what I mean? I felt robbed, sir. I felt robbed. Uh, really solid stuff again, Momentora. <laughs> we talked about it. They're just so well as a team. Again, Momo and Micah almost picking up where they left off in their five-star match. Uh, the, the two of them just tearing into each other. But ultimately, it's Momo hitting the inhumane driver onto May Sakurai for the three count. I remain that May Sakurai came out with the hat and may have protected her for that move that happened 10 minutes later. And she may have kicked out. Again, that's just me. Um and then, yeah, the main event was excellent. Megan Bain, Suzu Suzuki, and May, uh, May Sierra, they worked so well together as a team. Obviously, you have Saida, Hazuki, and Kagama. And I was wondering how this was going to work because once it gets to the Megan Bain part of this match, she destroys Saida, she destroys Kagama, and then Hazuki gets in the ring. I was like, oh, I wonder if Hazuki's going to go f- full Hazuki mode. Hazuki goes to attack Megan Bain and then realizes she begs off. And I was like, oh, that's not Hazuki at all. However, four or five minutes later, Hazuki just can't help herself. She just goes full Hazuki mode on Megan Bain. It doesn't go as well as you think, but at the same time, God bless her for trying. Excellent, excellent stuff. Um, obviously, Suzu and May work so well together. Um, 
And with having Megan Bain in there, that's just terrific as well. We did get a little bit of a mini almost uh, tag match with uh, Crazy Star and FWC, which is a match I really, really want to see. They tease a little. They had a couple single things going on with uh, Suzu and Hazuki. Obviously, we saw Suzu and Hazuki at the five-star last year, and this year we saw more here. And then they would sprinkle in Kagama coming in and uh, and May coming in, and you would see a little bit of uh, a little bit of the tag match there, a tag match that I really want to see. But ultimately, yes, it was May Sarah getting the tap out win um, with a uh, new version of the uh, basically an STF, a modified version on Saida. Great match, great way to end a show. Three and three fourth stars. And there you go. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. What a lovely, concise little rundown from you, Matt. Um, Let's talk then about this Halloween show, which I think it's fair to say, Matt, will certainly go down in the annals of stardom history as a show that happened. Um, Yeah, Takikawa Stage Garden, 29th of October, in front of 1,116 people, which is a fantastic turnout when you consider the, uh, the card that was announced, and it was very clear very, very soon that uh, it was going to be more of a stardom and showcase show than the actual pay-per-view quality that we expect from stardom. And what I want to make very clear is that we don't go into this show with the same sort of expectations as we would a Dream Queendom or a five-star final or, you know, any of the other serious stardom papers. Speak for yourself. Go on. Speak for yourself, sir. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. That uh, that zombie tag match between Dump Matsumoto and Zap against Mina Shirakawa and Wakasuki Armor. Tokyo Dome five stars, my friend. Um, but, you know, what was clear throughout this entire show was how much fun the roster had and i think that's key here they were given a gimmick and they just ran with it they were themselves and jesus even things that went wrong tecla i thought at one point had fallen into hell she'd just fallen off the ramp which was hilarious then got shot with a cannon um bits of this show were legitimately laugh out loud funny is it a show that I would actively encourage every stardom fan to seek out? No. No. If you didn't see this show, you didn't really miss anything, apart from a decent opening tag match from the Tag League. But if you want to see stardom wrestlers seeing bits of themselves come forward out of the gimmick and just seeing wrestlers having the best time, that coffin explosion match... Mayu, you can see, is just having the best time ever. Hazuki is having the time of a life. May Sakurai coming out as Darth May. Fantastic. <laughs> Brilliant stuff. Suzu Suzuki running around with a cannon. Sayori Anu scaring Suri into the fifth row of the Takikawa Stage Garden with a bag of fake spiders. Brilliant. Saki Kashima pointing to the other side of the arena so she can steal some of Suri's Halloween chocolate. Just little bits like that. It's it's a show that warms the soul. Again, it's not match quality that you'll go out of your way to see. You've got Dump Matsumoto in this match, who is damn near immobile at this point. But, again, there are bits of this show that genuinely make me smile. And it's because of that... I can't talk negatively 
about this show, despite some of it being nonsensical nonsense, I still found myself enjoying bits of this show, Matt. Yeah, I'm considering. I I didn't know what the turnout was until you mentioned the number, but I thought, you know, for a show that's basically, you know, again, Stardom and Showcase, the fact that they drew over a thousand people, kudos to Stardom. So for anybody that is saying, oh, Stardom's on the decline, they put this show on <laughs> and did over a thousand people. Um, yeah, this was not your five star Grand Prix opening or final night by any stretch of the imagination. It wasn't Dream Queendom by any stretch of the imagination. Um, did this need to be a pay per view, Rob? Probably not. Could they put this on YouTube for free? Probably. If they were going to make it a pay per view, could they make it like, hey, it's going to be a $9.99 special? No problem. I will say this, though, Mr. Rob Goodwin. If me and you were in Japan for this show and we paid $50 per ticket, and then another $50 per alcoholic beverages or $50 in alcoholic beverage that we consumed. So we spent $100 a piece going to the show and getting lit up and then got home safely with an Uber driver, of course. Would we have, would we have enjoyed, would this have been worth $100 for? Absolutely. This was a show that was a lot of fun. And if I would, I think anybody that was there live, I, it seemed like they had the time of their life between getting candy thrown and exploding coffins and, and whatnot. And again, this was almost like a blow off steam thing for the stardom wrestlers. You're just coming off this five star Grand Prix. You're in the midst of this Goddess of Stardom tournament. You have a major pay per view with a major announcement coming up in about two weeks' time. And then you're going, you're going to go back to back on shows with uh, the Tokyo Dome, or the show at uh, right outside the Tokyo Dome and the show the week uh, Dream Pressure that are on these stardom wrestlers. This was a blow off steam show. It was fun. Everybody had a good time. It was nice seeing everybody have a good time. Again, this would be a show that I think that I would appreciate more if I was in the crowd because it just seemed like the crowd and the wrestlers were having one big party, Rob. Yeah, absolutely. That's pretty much the best way of describing this show. It's a time to let the wrestlers blow off steam. Um, let's go through the results then, and then we'll sort of talk about some uh, some edited highlights of uh, some of the things going on. So we started with Goddess of Storm Tag League, um, Red Block Action, the prominence team of Aragi Karumi and Risa Seira moving to three points, defeating the God's Eye team of Saki Kashima and Suri, who stay on four points in nine minutes and 24 seconds. Uh, the Zombie Rumble match was won by Super Strong Stardom Machine, um, of course, who we don't know who that is. The identity is completely classified. Uh, Fukin Death was also in it, Karma, Ramkai Chow, uh, Super Strong Big Machine, Super Strong Stardom Giant Machine 2, made her debut um it's rumored that that is hanako but uh, we don't know um zombie a zombie b and zombie c were also in the match but matt perhaps most prevalently making her debut um or making her re-debut should i say is sexy dynamite princess now i don't want to say that i am good at predictions because I'm not. I think I've made that abundantly clear over the 144 episodes we've made. However, I did call that Hannon was going to be the new sexy dynamite princess. And wouldn't you know it, someone who looked extraordinarily like Hannon debuted in this rumble. And Jesus Christ, can we just talk about how much she nailed Mariah May's mannerisms? Like, she had it down to a T. Um... But yeah, we'll talk about that rumble in a moment because just 
Absolute carnage. Um, the Zombie Lumberjack match, Dun Matsumoto and Zap defeated Mina and Waka in 8 minutes and 33 seconds in a match. Um, a trick-or-treat anywhere for anywhere falls count anywhere match suzu suzuki carries on her winning ways defeating mesei ramomo watanabe and tekla in eight minutes and 18 seconds um halloween weapons four-way match uh, sayori anu defeated hazuki mei sakurai and natsukatora in 11 minutes and 29 seconds um in the semi semi main sorry halloween mask who turned out to be of all people ruaka um versus mariah ended in a contest in four minutes and 35 seconds when a weather tie beat the living hell out of mariah and then finally in the coffin explosion four-way match so this was billed as i thought it was mayu against three different crows but apparently i literally had my notes mayu versus the crows then i had a then once i then the match started i was like I crossed it out. I'm like, it's a four-way. So once again, we were wrong, but wrong together, brother. <laughs> Solidarity. <laughs> but it seemed that there was two winners in this match, which completely confused me. And then there was a random fifth entrant, um, but the Crows turned out to be Megan Bain, you, making her stardom resent, and Micah, um, which, okay, cool. Uh, and then Rossi Ogawa was randomly inserted into the match. They put him in the coffin with Mayu to great applause. The the crowd were properly behind Rossi. Um, and that's another thing. You know, this show should not be taken seriously, but the crowd really enjoyed it as well. So as you said, Mike, if we'd have paid 50 quid for a ticket and sat in the crowd, we'd have had the time of our lives and it looked like the crowd did as well. But where do you even start with this show? Because honestly, this is like someone got hammered and just did a random draw for a stardom pay-per-view in an EFED. Um, because, like... <sighs> Let's get the Zombie Lumberjack match out of the way for a start. The Dun Matsumoto and Zap match versus Mina and Waka is the worst match of the year. Like, by a distance in my opinion. There is nothing for you there. Do not go and seek this match out. It is terrible. However, I'm going to be positive. God bless Mina and Waka for doing everything humanly possible to get this, they... to get this match over. To get Mina Shirakawa, one of the biggest stars, not only in Star, but in the planet. Like, you're in, you're going to, she does the full entrance. She's all into it. She's trying to work Zap's leg, clearly knowing that she, you know, Zap, God bless her. She can barely move. But again, kudos to her for even being in the ring. Or not Zap, Dump Matsumoto. Uh, Zap wasn't too far behind her. Again, God bless her as well. But Mina and Waka did. And Mina worked this match as if, like, she was wrestling Sai Kamatani for the Wonder Belt. Like, she put her whole heart in this. And as if I couldn't love Mina Shirakawa enough, uh, you know, even more. But God bless her. Her and Waka, they put everything they could in this match and did everything they possibly could to get this match over. It is worth noting that Dump Matsumoto at this point is 62 years old and has been wrestling longer than Mina Shirakawa's been alive. She's got 43 years of experience. It is no wonder the poor woman cannot move. Should she be booked in matches? Probably not. But that's beside the point. Credit to her for coming out. It is still not a very good match. In fact, it's pretty terrible. But 
you know, as you said, Matt, positive spin on it. Credit to Mina, credit to Waka. And yeah, hopefully Dump just, and Zap, in fairness, just look after yourselves. Retire. You don't need to wrestle anymore, please. Um, The Zombie Rumble. Matt. Yeah. My favourite part of this rumble, apart from Sexy Dynamite Princess 2 and the debut of Super Strong Stardom Giant Machine 2, is the fact that Ram Kai Chow got attacked by the zombies and started dancing Thrill. Yep, mine too. (laughs) Not only that, she continued with it for about an hour after the show. There were so many videos on social media of her getting really upset because she couldn't stop her arms doing the thriller thing. And honestly, that tickled me for far longer than it should have done. Yeah, this rumble wasn't uh, too much to write home about. Um, again, you said Sexy Dynamite Princess 2. You think it's Hanan? Now, halfway through the uh, Sexy Dynamite Princess Mariah May dance, she did do the Hanan arms raise entrance theme, the entrance that she does when she's walking down the rampway. I will say this, Rob, I'm not going to disagree with you or agree with you that it was Hanan, but we did not see Hanan on this card anywhere. We also did not see Mariah May on this card anywhere. So I'm not saying it is or isn't Mariah May as Sexy Dynamite Princess number two. Maybe Vince Russo is the one that booked this. So it's a swerve, baby. Good gracious me, you're absolutely <laughs> right. How could I have been so stupid? And to be fair, no Mercedes Monet on this card. Um, no, Kyrie. I mean, it, I was I was so stupid to jump to conclusions that it was Hannah. Medusa wasn't um, on this card. Akira Hokuto wasn't on this card. You don't know who that was. Seth Rollins. <laughs> I mean, it literally could have been anybody. El Generico. I mean, to be <laughs> fair, the guy is building homeless shelters. The human so. <laughs> yeah, you fixed me a softball. Didn't even know it, brother. <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah, it's. <laughs> Again, it's a match that happens. There's no point us trying to summarize what goes on in these matches because it is just utter carnage. If you have got nothing to do, go and watch it because genuinely this show is quite entertaining and there are genuinely funny bits in this show. Like this trick-or-treat, falls count anywhere match. Suzu Suzuki, Meisei, Ramoma Watanabe, and Tekla. Suzu Suzuki stops mid-match just to start eating chocolate. Um, uh, you know, again, fired a cannon at Tekla. Tekla missed the ramp and just descended into hell, and then emerged just laughing to herself, but managed to recover it relatively well. I'd, I'd argue, Matt, that if you're going on match quality, I'd say this and the Halloween weapons four-way are probably the match you would go out of your way to watch. The uh, And I know it's not a um, a quote-unquote special traction match. To me, the best match on the show was the opener, was the tag match. And we'll get into that, because that was an actual, you know, with Prominence versus Sherry and Saki. We'll get into that. But yeah, I totally agree. Now, Rob, again, this is kind of like a one-off show, maybe not in continuity, but maybe it is, because who are the next two challengers for the red and white belt? Um, that would be Suzu Suzuki and Sayoriano. So who won this match and who won the next match? That would be, Matt Turner, Suzu Suzuki and Sayoriano. Credit to Rasio Gower for keeping his challengers strong. <laughs> <laughs> I love that that's a positive you've managed to draw from that. 
Yeah, but uh, yeah, this match was fun. Uh, you basically said what you needed to say. Tekla did the uh, the double. She, instead of doing the superplex, she did like the double superplex and then hit the dive. But um, I don't know if you know the answer to this. I didn't realize this until about two minutes in because when the graphic came up for the match, I started writing down my notes for what match it was. Where was Kagama? Was she sick or injured? Because I re- again, I realized like two minutes of the match, I'm like, she's not in this. Do we, do we know what happened to her? I don't. Hmm. Yeah, if anybody can fill us in, because yeah, she was obviously advertised for the match on the graphic, and I didn't hear anything. No, I did not watch this show live. One of the very, very few times that it started on February, I did not watch it live. So um, I did not have anybody point out on the old uh, Twitter machine where she was. So yeah, was not on this show. Ah, uh, no. Of course she wasn't. She was at the funeral on the 28th, wasn't she, Ami Sauer? No, Kagama was supposed to be in the, the cha- match. Oh, Kagama, I'm sorry. Huh. Yeah, she was. <laughs> but she was at the show, you know, with the F... Uh, was she at the show the, the before? The one we just reviewed? No, she wasn't. Oh, yeah, she was, yeah, because she was in the main event with classmates. Yeah, she was. Hmm. Huh. Yeah, I wonder why. Mate, I imagine probably because she was one of the zombies. Oh, that's a possibility. Well, it's not like she did. She's Ma- pulling double duty. It's not like she's putting on thirty-minute match and then a forty-five-minute match. But we're going. Whoa, whoa, whoa! You don't know what it takes to be a zombie. Don't you dare assume You're right. the only thing, that it is easy. The only thing I know about zombies, I'm a big fan of Rob Zombie. But anywho, because I got to get dinner soon. Let's talk about this four-way with Tora versus Suzuki versus Darth May Sakurai versus Soriano. Now, I want to point out that uh, Hazuki came dressed out as what was she uh, a cop? Security guard? I think she was supposed to be a member of the SWAT That's right. Team, yes. That's right. Okay. And then May Sakurai came out dressed as Darth Vader. At first, when she came out, I'm like, oh, no hat. I'm like, oh, well, if you're going to replace not wear your hat, Darth Vader, huge Star Wars fan, came out with a lightsaber. Okay, fantastic. Tora came dressed out as Tora. That's kind of a Halloween all year round. She gets a pass for me because she didn't dress up. Now, Sayoriano did not come dressed up at all. Rob Goodwin, she did not. And I know some people were like, well, that's not fair. She's really the only one in the match that kind of is not into the Halloween spirit. Now, I will say this, Rob, as this match was getting going, especially towards the end, she may not have dressed up as somebody, but she challenged. She was basically took the morphing of a certain character towards the end of the match. Do you know who that character she was that she uh, basically took the form of? No, but I'm intrigued. It was Hazuki because she basically goes full Hazuki <laughs> mode on the Sakura at the end and just beats the crap out of her with like Thor's hammer and these whips. And he was like, geez, I said, you're doing Hazuki's gimmick. And Hazuki's in the match. <laughs> Hazuki's right there, man. Uh, but yeah, this was fun. It was, I mean, obviously, uh, Tor is fantastic. Hazuki's great. Max Sakurai, again, you basically spreading her wings, if you will, and doing something completely different. Uh, that completely stands out from this match with these three fantastic workers. Not that she's not a fantastic worker, but in the totem pole, she's probably fourth with all due respect to her. But she finds a way to stand out. Again, me, who's a giant Star Wars fan, I'm like, awesome, Darth Vader, lightsaber, of course, why not? I thought uh, I thought uh, she was fantastic here. Uh, but again, great job with Sayori Anu hitting. <laughs> I love it how she takes Minoyer, Thor's hammer, and hits May with it. <laughs> but that wasn't the finish. She's like, instead of me hitting you with an imaginary hammer from uh, Norse mythology, that's not enough to, to get the win. I got to hit the Tom's Tondra for the win, just in case she was going to kick out of getting hit with a hammer from Norse mythology. Brilliant. Brilliant. 
and just before we uh, we sort of sign off, um, because Rewaka was Halloween mask, Mariah got attacked by a weather tie. Sure, okay. Um, uh, seemed like a bit of a waste of time on pay per view, considering it went less than five minutes. The main event. What did you? <laughs> Aside from Rossi Ogawa being the most over person in this entire match. What was your opinion of this? I was like, oh, okay. I thought they were going to maybe tease a little bit, getting the mask take off, but I guess that's what they did last, the you know, the match before with Ruaka. So, like, you just comes and takes her mask off, and then we have Megan Bain, and then I'm like, well, who's left? I sat on this show. I'm like, Micah, of course. Um, yeah, I mean, it was what it was. This was, like, maybe a straight-up match where they did, like, a tag with maybe you and Mayu versus uh, Divine Kingdom. I thought that could have worked. Uh, you know, they had their fun with picked up Rock. Oh, I liked how Megan Bain body slammed her own uh, partner through a coffin. <laughs> it's like, yeah, hey, everyone for themselves. I'll see you. Ne- I'll see you down the road at the next tournament match. But I loved it how it was like that's how they took Micah out as Megan Bain slammed her through a coffin that, and then just like exploded. It was like then Micah just laid there for the remainder of the match. But I liked how Mayu and Rossio Gower in the coffin and they're trying to shut the lid. And then Mayu and Rossio Gower they're trying not to get locked in the coffin. It's about to explode, but the two of them can't help help themselves and start laughing. Like, totally breaking kayfabe. What the heck's wrong with you, you know? Uh, but, uh, yeah, it was fun. It was what it was. But, um, yeah, what were your opinions on it, Rob, before we... Because before we, I, I do want to talk about the tag match just briefly. What was your your uh, your opinion on this match? It was it was fine. Again, we've we've said it many many times it was a fun match you could see how much fun all four women and rossi were having during this match so i'm not going to hold too much against it if you thought that mayu versus crows was going to be a five-star classic you're going into this show with the wrong attitude i think it was what it needed to be it was just some fun for the takikawa stage garden audience and i think that's what they had. I don't think anyone expected um, IWA Japan, you know, Cactus Jack versus Terry Funk explosions for the coffin either. It was, it was a gimmick that was there to add some, just a little bit of fun, a little bit of drama to it. So yeah, it it was fine. I didn't rate any of these matches because. What is the point? Yeah, I did rate this tag match again. I want to go through this real quick because I got to. I did not realize, folks, that uh, the time zone difference between myself and Rob is usually five hours. Rob had his daylight savings time on Sunday, so we're a little bit off. So I am like twenty minutes late for dinner. So I was going to kind of run through this stuff so that I so then I can uh, shuffle off to dinner because I will be away for the next two days for uh, for work stuff. So I won't be able to see my uh, wonderful bride all that much the next few days. Anywho, Rob Goodwin. We talk all, a lot on this show about these fantastic teams in this tournament. This prominent team of Risa Sayer and Kurumi Haragi is another one to watch out for because they are put they put on a barn burner on night one and then a fantastic match with Siri and Saki. Again, Saki, her strikes, they had to be on point in this match because you're wrestling, you know, two crazy hard hitters in Risa Sayer and Kurumi Haragi. And I like how Shiri, she was able to get the advantage in this match by using her submissions. It's really where she has the advantage, not only against this prominence team, but really up against anybody. She does a great job uh, isolating Haragi with the belly down arm bar. She does using her strikes to set up the submissions to the knee to Risa Sarah, which I thought was really good. Um, I thought the finish of this match was great, where Yusaki Kashimi, you know, the most deadly move in all of wrestling, is the Kishi Kasai. She gets it on Risa Sarah. 
but uh, Risa rolls all the way through and then is able to use her arm to hook Saki's neck and then drop her headfirst onto the apron, or onto the mat, excuse me, with the air raid crash. I really thought this was a solid match that had a really cool and thought-out finish uh, to give prominence um, their first actual win of the tournament. Three and three-fourth stars. I thought this was a really good match, really great way to start this show, which was all over the place, in my opinion, the best match of this show. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, that brings us to the end of our show. There are a couple of Tag League shows that will be happening in November. Um, The 4th, the 5th, and I believe the 3rd as well have all got dates for the Tag League. But unfortunately, none of the cards have been announced. Presumably, again, as I mentioned last week, this is just so that they can see who is back from injury before they start doing uh, tag league matches, because at the moment, Cosmic Angels, the Unimizumori, and Tam Nakano team are the only team that haven't actually had a match yet. Um, so I assume they are waiting to see how Tam is going to fare um, before risking a ahead of the Gold Rush match with Suzu Suzuki. Um, but yes. Thank you so much for listening, ladies and gentlemen. We hope you have enjoyed this episode. We've enjoyed making it, as always. Thank you to everyone that has listened, everyone that has subscribed, everyone that has rated the podcast, everyone that's found us for the first time, everyone that supports us on Patreon. We appreciate every single one of you. Thank you to everyone. Um, If you want to find us on social media, you can at the Stardom Cast. Um, Don't forget that you can get all of our episodes early and ad-free for just a dollar a month over at patreon.com forward slash the Stardomcast as well as literally hundreds of bonus episodes as well. If you want to talk to me on Twitter, you can at Real Rob Goodwin. We'll be back next week where we will be uh, reviewing those tag league dates and previewing Mayu's match against Stephanie Vaca as well. Matt Turner, sign us off, good sir. Absolutely, folks. Don't forget to follow Pro Wrestling Dream, as that is going to be uh, Robin and I's next project, and we're super excited, like we mentioned at the start of the show, to be a part of that. So follow Pro Wrestling Dream over on the uh, the Twitter uh, and uh, keep all up to date on everything that's going on with the new promotion. And uh, again, Rob and I are super excited to be a part of this. Any questions, comments, uh, anything you need from me, Matt Turner OF on the Instagram and or the Twitter. Folks, don't forget to buy poi. How to get that in as busy as I am. As much <laughs> as I'm in a rush, you got to get the catchphrase in. Got to get in by poi. Again, a million thanks to everybody that has supported the podcast. It literally blows my mind every time I'm looking at numbers. I'm like, how is this even possible? Uh, and it's possible because of you, because of all the shares, the retweets, and just word of mouth that uh, everybody is giving us. And uh, again, we can't do this without you folks. Because, like I always say, it's just not my podcast, it's our podcast because we're all together and everybody's different, everybody's special.
everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.